Look what you did, you little jerk. Welcome to the Movie Ladder Podcast, where we're all about cinematic connections. Each week, we're discussing a movie that connects to the movie from the previous week's podcast. My name is Zach Brooks, and I am joined by... Vince Patrick. All right, and last week, we discussed Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, and due to a uh, kids at home alone connection, and also the time frame, the early 90s, late 80s, we will be discussing the Christmas classic Home Alone. Tis the season to talk about Kevin McAllister and everything he gets into when he's left all alone. Then at the end of the episode, we'll decide on the movie for next week based on connections sent in from you, the listeners, and connections we've brought as your hosts. Uh, we will be spoiling Home Alone, so if you're the one person <laughs> who has never seen Home Alone, you should watch it. It's great. Uh, pause this podcast. Go watch it. It's on Disney+. Plus. You can probably rent it places, too. And uh, then come back and listen. And if you're really just not interested in Home Alone, you can skip ahead to the latter discussion to see yeah. what we'll be talking about next week. Uh, we'll put that timestamp in the notes. So, as always, you can skip ahead. But it's Christmas time. you got to watch Home Alone, right, Brendan? Uh, absolutely. I was really excited that this was our first uh, selection in December. This is a movie I've probably watched at least once a year every year since I was 10 years old when this came out. Um it's it's a Christmas classic. Um, I will be really curious as we get into listener notes and talking about it, if maybe the gap in this movie, if it doesn't hold up for people who aren't our age, if people people who were either born way before us or way after us, mm-hmm. if this doesn't hold the same nostalgic value, I know it does for you and I, but I, I've always really enjoyed this movie. Um, Parts of it hold up. Parts of it are sort of a little like, oh, come on. But it's it's a Christmas classic for a reason. I mean, there's a reason that this broke every box office record for a comedy to that point. Um, it hit all of the right notes when it came out, starring a quote-unquote cute little kid named Macaulay Culkin. Uh, premiered the week before Thanksgiving in 1990 and just smashed it and had a year and a half long run throughout 90 and 91 in theaters where it just was a mainstay and then was a box office smash as well when it hit home video like this was one of the first really big home video releases of the 90s where you know you you bought a new dvd player and you got a copy of home alone and home alone 2 Bought a new you VCR. Know, you weren't buying or, DVD players or a, in 1990. Or a VCR. Yeah. yeah. You, bought a new, you bought a new whatever, and you got a copy of Home Alone and 1991's Home Alone 2. So, I mean, or 92's Home Alone 2. And so, I mean, that's it. You know, I mean, it's there's a, these are both Christmas classics, but this one definitely holds up better than the second one. But I don't know how much we'll really get into that. Yeah, um, I'm sure we'll talk about it. Um, I do think you talked about nostalgic value for this movie, and I think that was something we were into, too, with uh, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Where you and I had watched this so much growing up, watched that movie so much growing up, mm-hmm. and, you know, I hadn't seen Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead in a long time. I have seen Home Alone a lot more recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I watch it just about every year as well, although I do not have it logged on Letterboxd until today or until yesterday. Strange. So mm-hmm. I know I had, I had it marked as watch, but I did not actually mark any times that I had watched it. So I don't know if I had okay. not streamed it in a couple of years. I feel like I watched it last Christmas or the Christmas before, but maybe not. Um Anyways, so uh, but yeah, that nostalgic value, I think, was a big thing we noticed with our feedback to Don't Tell Mom Mm -hmm. uh, last week, where the listener reviews were so much lower than our reviews on it. And all three of us, even Taylor gave it a a, a full five stars. 
yeah. for last week's movie. For sure. So. Yeah, and it, I, I'll be curious also if the discourse around this movie starts to ramp up again now that it is officially tied into Disney+. Plus. Right. And people are now renewing their Disney Plus accounts, and maybe they're discovering or rediscovering this movie, so I'll be curious. I think there's. I think we'll probably in the next few weeks see a lot more podcasts like ours diving deep on this movie and maybe some, maybe even an oral history or two, which I know yeah, is Yeah, that's favorite. why it's it's great that we yeah. got in on the ground floor. Uh, we Absolutely. got in after Thanksgiving, so we are not creeping Christmas up before Thanksgiving. Nah. Um, but we are uh, we are getting December first is when we're recording and releasing this podcast. So uh, you know, after Christmas, you can buy your Christmas beers, you can get your Christmas coffee blends, and uh, get your presents for people, Absolutely. and you're not Christmas creeping. So. Um, yeah, so we'll we'll get into that whole movie. We've already kind of started talking about it. But as always, once we do pick the movie for next week, make sure that you send in your feedback, ratings, questions, and comments to at LadderMovie on Twitter and themovieladder at gmail.com. You also can follow us at LadderMovie on Letterboxd. And we highly recommend Letterboxd. And a, a quick plug for Letterboxd, they are doing their special for patron mm-hmm. and pro accounts right now. They're not paying us for this. I'm just – I have yeah. a pro account, and I think it's great. It's yeah, I just I just signed up for Pro for the Black Friday sale, and I I absolutely love it. Like I'm I'm already I'm already reaping the dividends and enjoying having zero ads. Yes, it's it, the ads the ads getting rid of the ads is huge on Letterbox. Yeah. So if you're a Letterbox user, which I know a lot of our listeners are, and you are not yet a Pro, I think they still have that sale running during the holiday mm-hmm. season. So take advantage of that. It it's like 19 bucks for the year, so like you know, like a dollar ten per uh, mm-hmm. month. I mean it's it's nothing. Totally worth it. So uh, less than a cup of that Christmas blend coffee that you would get at Starbucks. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Well, what we're going to do, so we, Brennan and I talked about it, and he kind of talked about how there's probably going to be a lot of Home Alone podcasts. There are other Home Alone podcasts that um, we'll mention later on in this episode. We want you to listen to ours first. But there are, you know, a lot of people have talked about Home Alone. This movie came out in 1990. It's a classic. Everybody's seen it a million times. been beaten to death. So we didn't want to just come in and do our normal uh, movie ladder podcast on this and of course we will do our connections and we'll do our next movie connection um last week i brought up possibly doing uh goodfellas as a double feature so mm-hmm. maybe we'll pick goodfellas for this week we'll see uh mm-hmm. but what we're gonna do is we are going to do a top five list so each both brendan and i have compiled a top five list of our favorite things from home alone and we're gonna go through them just as a little bit of a different format so instead of going through each part of the movie and i think i think we both think our top five lists will kind of be a good way to capture a lot of things of this movie, but then we're not just beat by beat talking about. Uh, right, right, right. And then we're also not getting into the stupid questions that everybody's talked about a million times before of like, you know, how are these guys even alive at the end of this? Blah, 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 blah. They take such a beating or Kevin is such a little shit, sure. you know, blah, yeah. blah, like all the, all the deep dive stuff that has been covered. I think we'll, I think we'll gloss over all that more than we'll dive deep into it. So. Um, and uh, funny you should mention stupid questions because at the end of our top five list, we are going to have uh, our top five listener questions that we got in this week. We actually got a lot Absolutely. of questions in between feedback and Twitter, and uh, mm-hmm. I got some messages from people. So we did compile five questions. So the end of our top five list, we'll do like a second top five list, which is our top five listener questions from the week. And then we'll get into our connections for next week and our connections back to previous movies as well. So, Absolutely. Uh, anything else you want to – get into before we get into our number fives yeah not really i just uh, um i hope everybody enjoys this episode um yeah 
happy Thanksgiving, belatedly, and happy early holidays, no matter what you celebrate in summer. Yes. Hope you true. enjoy the show. Cool. Uh, yeah, I uh, I will just say uh, I had so much fun watching this movie. And this is not my number five, yeah. it's like my bonus, but I just had a huge smile on my face watching this movie. Uh, I, you know, this is not a perfect movie. It is not Citizen Kane, although we might be all connected to Citizen Kane. But uh, this, it, it, the Home Alone is just so much fun, especially to watch during Christmas time. Yeah, well, let's um, well then let's let's sort of start with my number five then, because that sort of leads off of what you're saying. And perfect. I think the biggest thing for me that I appreciate it on this watch and is going to land for me at my number five is I never really on previous watches appreciated the performance of letterbox legend Catherine O'Hara. Mm. Like I did. And movie ladder watch. podcast Catherine O'Hara yeah. too. Uh, and movie ladder podcast Catherine O'Hara is what I met. Legend Catherine O'Hara. Um, she's appeared on our podcast as a uh, favorite of ours in different movies three times. Um, uh, yes, this is the third time after, uh, after she was, Beetlejuice uh, and Guffman. So, and waiting for Guffman, yep. Yeah, so I've been I, – I sort of intentionally looked out for it more and paid more attention to her performance, but I was laughing and cringing and smiling every line, every time she was on screen. She just gives everything to this role as uh, Mrs. McAllister, and – she does such a great job. All of her heartfelt stuff comes across really well as really heartfelt. You feel her frustration with Kevin being a little a little shit at the beginning of the movie. You feel her frustration with the air travel. You, She's sort of the only member of the family I would say you really do feel and get her concern when Kevin gets left behind. Everybody else's concern sort of feels surface level and fake. And I guess that's sort of what the movie really is about, is the relationship between Kevin and his mother. And so that's why it's really important that she's the first one back at the end of the movie. Because yes. it's really about repairing that relationship, because he's such a little shit to her. And she still loves him unconditionally. Um, yeah, so- and I do think, um, I actually think their relationship, it does seem like it's the cornerstone of this movie. Mm-hmm. I did think that it's not quite built up enough between them as good as uh, the beginning of this movie is, mm-hmm. uh, I just, I didn't like, I get that she just feels guilty, but I didn't think that she either treated him with enough love or was mad enough at him to feel guilty that she would go through the, like, that I bought that she would, she would feel the level of guilt to not leave the the airport, not sleep. Right. I understand why she does that, but I just didn't feel like there was enough interaction, good or bad between them at the beginning of this movie. To, for that to fully flesh out for me. Yes, so I would yeah, have I liked that one more scene with either her punishing him or them having a discussion. Um, yeah. Besides just when she takes him up to the attic. Yeah, I think that I think that's fair. Um, but I, I, I disagree, but I understand your point. Um I, I think there is enough there, but the issue is I think there's not enough um like maybe if we got some kind of flashback or something in the middle of the movie that connected the two characters so right. that they can be on screen together at the same time. Yeah. And I think that Instead it's, just of, the shared, it's the shared yeah. screen time because until, yeah, it's the shared screen time. I can until she that. punishes him and sends him to his room, they're really not together. And yeah. I mean, Kevin feels that way about his mom, right? He, when he gets scared without her, you know, the famous scene where he screams, he doesn't yeah. scream dad. He doesn't scream buzz. Right. He, he screams, screams mom. Yeah. 
Right. right. And so, he's, he's hiding under their bed. And I mean, he's she's the one he is that is first on his mind when he's thinking about his family. I mean, yeah. right. I mean, he does. He does really care for his mom as mom really cares for him. It's just more that we're told that instead of being shown that. Fair enough. And I think part of that also is, you know, they have, what, six kids? Uh, I mean, I, sorry, they showed the uh, I really should get the list of all the kids uh, and I don't know if it's yeah. if it's in your notes, but I think they have four kids. Um, I think it's five. OK, and there are a ton of kids. There's like, a, what, 13 kids that they count off? Um, it's 11 kids plus Frank and Alice and Mr. and Mrs. McAllister, Peter and, and, a partridge, and, and a partridge and a partridge. Partridge and a partridge. So, yeah, it's 11 total kids. Five of them, I believe, are the McAllister's proper mm-hmm. then four that are missy one doing this math right four that are frank's kids mm-hmm. and then two that are the ones staying with them because the parents moved to france already right so you actually pointed so, this out and i did not realize yeah. this because it does go i mean it's so hectic and chaotic in the intro mm-hmm. but so you're you pointed out that there are two kids staying with them because the parents moved to france the year before and they correct left the kids with the McAllisters. Yeah, so that comes out in the part where she's talking to Joe Pesci's character, sort of giving the giving the breakdown, uh, all the exposition of why there are all these people in this house and how Joe Pesci learns that they're going to France is, she says, you know, my, um, my, my husband's brother is already in France and we've been taking care of the two kids so that they can finish school. And then we're uh, all going to so France. So they did a good, de- that's a good deed. They, yeah, they yeah, them. exactly. Like, yeah. I mean, that, that house is huge. Um, yeah, that, that house, house has a million. Huge. So, yeah. um, all right. Well, so you're number five. And uh, I do yeah. want to make sure we're recapping what our top five are, because I feel like a lot of times I, I listen to top five lists and then I get to the end and I'm like, what were the top five? So maybe at the end we'll, right, we'll right, run right. through our top five again. Yeah, um, absolutely. So your your number five was Catherine Harris performance. Anything absolutely. else you want to touch on? I do agree with you. I think that she is really funny in this. Um, she's been very funny in all the movies we watch. She's an actress I did not appreciate until we started doing this podcast. Yeah, and, and I think it's um, I think it's a funny thing that as you get older, your brain switches from paying more attention to the kid characters to paying more attention to the adult characters. Mm-hmm. And I think in the last you know several years that I've been going back and watching this movie, I've like picked up on a lot more of what the adults are doing in this movie than what the uh, kids are doing. For sure. Uh, I agree. Uh, and I, I just one more point on Catherine O'Hara. I do. It does make me want to prioritize watching Schitt's Creek because I know she's good in that. This is the third movie that we've watched that she's been great in. Um, so maybe I will prioritize Schitt's Creek as a result of this <laughs> podcast. So any uh, any any Catherine O'Hara you can get in your life, you're going to be rewarded by. So. She did. Uh, Jeff actually sent me this. Uh, it's a tweet of a TikTok, but she posted on her TikTok uh, her doing the scream and pass out. Um that you know the uh, oh that's amazing the, I didn't see that. the kevin where she stands up and passes right, right. Up, falls over um yeah that's uh she does that again currently that's I, I did not do a good job explaining it but check out Catherine o'hara on tiktok <laughs> or Twitter and you'll see it who will do yeah uh all right well my number five uh funny you should talk about noticing the adults more than the than the kids on this watch uh i also noticed an adult that i thought was great and hilarious and not somebody that i kind of paid attention to but not somebody i appreciated like this watch and just had me cracking up the entire time and he's an actor who's not in very many other movies that i've seen um at least not when i not when i checked and uh that is uncle frank and i think uncle frank is such a funny asshole 
in this. And, uh, you know, the line, I I did remember the, like, I forgot my reading glasses line (laughs) when he's talking to Kevin's mom Mm -hmm. about, you know, don't feel bad about forgetting Kevin. I forgot my reading glasses. But he just has so many funny little things in this. And he really is that, like, MVP off the bench performance, like, making the most of his limited time in this movie. Um, you know, he has some of the most iconic lines. For yeah, sure. I mean, that's I, I like in I actually I, I felt a lot of pressure opening this podcast because there's so many good lines from this mm-hmm. movie. I didn't know which line to even start with as our intro. Um, and I I liked Uncle Frank, so I wanted to pay homage to Uncle Frank by look what you did. You little jerk is the intro. Yeah, but there's so many different ways I could have opened this podcast. Right. Um, you could have gone I, with this is it. Don't get scared now. Right. I, I mean, yeah, I could. I, I thought about Fuller go easy on the Pepsi. Right. Uh, I thought about I made my family disappear. I'm living alone. Um, <laughs> and, you know, there's I'm sure there's even more that I'm forgetting. Um, one whole cheese podcast. Just yes, for exactly. Us. One one cheese pizza. Just me. I did think about making it myself a pizza, uh, dairy free pizza for for this podcast didn't have time um i like when uncle frank they're running out of the house and uncle frank's like we can't get to the airport in 45 minutes which uncle frank ahead of his time you cannot leave your house 45 minutes before a flight and make the no. flight uh no, especially after, not after in suburban chicago trying to get to a hair like he's yeah. right I, yeah <laughs> i don't know where exactly they live compared to chicago i don't know what yeah. uh, how far away it is but and, and uh and kevin's dad says you know, I'm just I'm trying to keep positive, Frank. And Frank says, you can be positive. I'll be realistic. <laughs> he just reminds me of like yeah. he Uncle Frank is the uncle who's at Thanksgiving who voted for Donald Trump. Oh, who's like, how, are, how are you going to pay for health care for everybody? Uh, yeah. I, how are you, you going to pay for, you know, like all these things? How, how are you going to pay for uh, coronavirus right, vaccine right, for everybody? Right, right. So and of uh, course, I will use my brother for a free trip to France. Right. Like, yes, yeah, exactly. my brother in law. Right. She's he's uh he's Catherine O'Hara's brother. Right. Okay, I, I wasn't sure. So what yeah, I think had. that's the relationship. And then, yeah, so I would totally use my brother-in-law and his brother for a free trip to France for Christmas. Yes. Why not? <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, even to the, you know, the third scene, and that's one I did not mm. actually remember, is when they are in France and he's got the shrimp ring. Yeah. And he's walking around. He loves his shrimp ring. Uh, Uncle Frank, like, second biggest shrimp fan in the world. Uh, yeah, and second biggest Uncle- one I know. Yeah, Uncle Frank's walking around with the shrimp, and uh, the family in France is like, Frank, that shrimp isn't for today. Like, we're saving that. that, (laughs) He's definitely eating Christmas dinner, like, the day before, and he's just, like, walking around with his giant shrimp and a huge bowl of cocktail sauce. I think my favorite Uncle Frank moment, and there have been a couple other podcasts that have pointed this out, but I think it's my favorite moment as well, is – so there's the moment where they first get into first class, and they start, like, sitting down and ordering, like, what they're going to eat for their first class meals and everything. And he, they pull out the silverware and he's like, I think this is real silver here. Put it in your purse. Put it in your yes. purse. Oh yes. That's and he tries great. to like steal, get get his <laughs> wife to steal the silverware. I think that's my favorite uncle Frank moment. Like it's just so subtle and you know, he probably ad libbed that. Like I doubt that was actually in the script. But I, and I don't even think so. Uh, uncle Frank was played by Gary Bayman. Yeah. Uh, and he, you know, his, his, Top two movies on Letterboxd are Home Alone and Home Alone 2. So he's also in The Bodyguard and Cocktail and Runaway okay. Jury. Um, but really not much. It doesn't seem like he's in a lot. I mean, maybe, I don't know if he's on TV shows, but it doesn't yeah. seem like he does a lot of comedy, but he's just so subtly funny and dry in this movie. Yeah, I agree. And it I, just, I was great. Yeah, I'm definitely not familiar with him. I don't, I don't know that I've seen him in anything else but this. Like, I've seen some of the movies he's been in, but I don't remember him in any of them, so... Yeah, yeah. If, he, if he was in them, he probably wasn't like a. I don't think he was a main part. So, yeah. um, 
All right. Well, that is that is my number five. So that is the Uncle Frank character. So what is your number four? Well, while we're talking about Uncle Frank and taking advantage of uh, his brother-in-law's generosity, let's talk about how obviously and opulently rich the McAllisters seem to be. <laughs> like, this freaking house is massive. That's why it's going to go it wrong. It has so it's many rooms. Tuna. It's got It's got so many rooms. It's got so much going on. All the Christmas lights are massive. It's got a pull-through wraparound driveway. Um, and then they can – how can he and his brother afford first-class tickets for parents, 11 middle-class or coach-class seats for kids, and two weeks in France? Plus, I mean, when they're trying to get home – like, they even float the idea of, why don't we just get a private plane to get back to Chicago? And the lady <laughs> in France is like, we don't do that. But, like, only someone who's rich enough to want to, to – or be uh, only someone who has the means to charter a p- private plane is going to say, what about a private plane? Can we do that? And it's like, wait a second. Why didn't they take a private plane in the first place? Why did they exactly. have to take an airline? Like, oh. Yeah, I mean, these 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 – what? How did they get their riches? I want to know more. What does Catherine O'Hare's character do for a living? I don't think she's just a housewife. Like she has to I don't be. No, that house is really clean. Well, yeah, it's not. She, it, it's. I guess it's not actually very. It's clean. not that clean, but she no. has to be from money too. I feel like. Yeah. Like, um. And you know, maybe she's a designer, and that's why there's mannequins all over the house. Oh, maybe there. Uh, maybe there are. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite possible. Yeah. That's. Well, we might get into that later. Yeah. Uh. Uh. Potentially. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, yeah, I know we've talked just, about. Like, we've talked it always about amazes other... me how ridiculously rich they are, and yet they can't figure out a way to get back home for Christmas. But that's also going to lead into another one I have that I'll get to later. But it's like it's it's ridiculous how rich these people are that they can not only have five kids but afford to feed two more mouths for a year before taking those kids to France. Like it it's was the, it was the early '90s, man. The economy was yeah. booming. I guess it was. Reagan, the, Reagan trickle down economics. It worked for them. I guess them. so. I guess uh, so. I will say, you know, without without totally stealing from another podcast, on the rewatchables for this, they have a great theory as to why they're so rich, and it's basically that Peter McAllister is in the mob. Um, yeah, and, and well, that's we, how they got so rich. I think we established he's a lawyer, right? So he could be a yeah, he could, I, I think I read somewhere that he was a lawyer, but okay. maybe that maybe that comes up in the second one. In the second movie. But oh, I think it does. I think, I think it is in the second I think he's a lawyer, and so he can be a lawyer for the mob. He can be a madman for the mob. I can see that. So, he can be a mob lawyer. Yeah. I mean, I think that it really makes sense if there's if that is the reason why they have so much money. And I, I think, you know, this is a, this is obviously, like, not a not a question most people ask about this movie. I think it's something you ask after watching it, you know, yeah. X number of times. For sure. Uh, for sure. Yeah. So. Um, what's what's but, your number? What's your number four? All right, so my number four is um, it's it's really like, and I don't know if this this deserves to be higher, probably does, but I wrote down Kevin trying to be an adult. I have and, that too, and that's that's also my number three. So let's go okay. through that now. Yeah. All right. It's so the, we'll go through that. The, now. I, I called it kid logic. Yeah. Like the logic of a kid trying to think like an adult, and that's, yes. yeah, go for it. Like when he's like when he's monologuing in the mirror, and he's mm-hmm. like, I put on deodorant today, and I right. put you know this and that. I can't I can't remember what his whole monologue was. Um. And that he's like buys a toothbrush yep. and he's like, I is this approved by the American Dental Association? It's like, well, yeah. like, I, I, like, yes, it's kid logic and also um, 
Like, of course, every toothbrush is approved by the American Dental Association. Right, exactly. Um, And, you know, like, just the way that he acts throughout this whole movie and the fact that I think we kind of take for granted that Macaulay Culkin was what, like he was younger than 10 years old when he right. might not have been. I believe, eight, he, was, I believe he was eight 10. when he filmed this movie. Yeah. He, was, he plays an eight year old. So yeah. um, he might've been 10 then, but he's, yeah. yeah. And, um, and just like what a good performance he gives and he, he carries mm-hmm. the movie. Um, I mean, he's, it's kind of like his version of Castaway. He's on his own a lot in this. He's on right. screen by himself a lot in this movie. And uh, I just think, his performance, but particularly when he pretends to be an adult and when he thinks mm-hmm. like he's acting like an adult, when you know he thinks he has to protect the house, uh, the scene with the coupons when he's when he goes does grocery yeah, shopping, sure. yeah. Um, sure. and then immediately after that, you're reminded that he's a kid because he overpacks the bags and then they break and right. spill everywhere. Yeah. And so and then um, you know just the um, well, I still have to like clean up the house and make sure that it's ready for Christmas in case they come back. So I've got to have a tree and I've got to put all the ornaments on it and I've got to do the dishes and I've got to make sure the house, the house is clean. I mean, they don't really, they don't point it out too much, but at the end of the movie, the house is like, he does a good job cleaning up the house, like surprisingly, like, Mm -hmm. but especially after the whole break, I mean, it was just the night before that the wet bandits are coming to the house. Yeah. Which is why actually, like, I don't think this is any, in, in any of our notes, but like, if you think about it and you look at it, like, the way that Kevin set up the traps was so that there would be no physical damage to anything in the house. Um, none of the windows get broken. None of the walls get smashed by the paint cans. I don't know. I think that's like, just, I think that's an unintended consequence because he's, maybe he's throwing paint cans around the house. He's putting a, he's putting like a hot metal thing on the doorknob. Like, I mean, right. you can't guarantee that you're not going to start a fire or destroy the house doing that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, and I do think that Kevin pretending to be an adult actually yeah. ends up with Kevin having some growth in this movie. And yeah. by the end of the movie, he, there's the scene in the church where he sees uh, Old Man Marley. Is that his right. name? Is it Old Man Marley? Yeah, it's Old Man Marley. Yeah. yeah. He sees him and and he goes from being the one who's, you know, Kevin is the one afraid um, to he tells Old Man Marley, aren't you too old to be afraid? So he right. Kevin in his mind assumes like all adults act a certain way. Adults aren't scared. And he's surprised that old man Marley is afraid to talk to his son. Right. Yeah, that's it's fair. a yeah, very yeah. heartwarming scene between them. I think, yeah, that honestly, and I don't have this on my list, but that is the scene that probably has improved for me the most as an adult watching it. Um, because as a kid, you think, okay, this is the boring part before the, before the action of the final break-in. But now, like, I really appreciate that scene. And it's like, it really is a good job of saying what the morality of this movie is, you know? Um, and it does a really good job sort of bringing the whole thing full circle and making you appreciate your family before mm-hmm. destroying your house. And then, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and I will, uh, I don't have anything else about old man Marley in my notes. I don't know. Do you have anything else in your, I don't, uh, top five? I don't. okay. So one other thing about old man Marley, uh, he seems, you know, there's, there's, you know, it's interesting, the whole story with him. Um, you know, he's the one to save Kevin at the end. I do think it's very weird that he puts his bloody wounded hand up on the counter when Kevin is trying to buy the toothbrush. Like, use your other hand. What are you putting your nasty hand up there for? So I didn't have this written down, but I almost did. And it's one of my also it was probably my closest also that I thought about switching out for something else, which is I'm pretty sure old man Marley was watching him the entire time and knew he was home alone. That's what I picked up on this watch. Huh. 
I don't because he yeah, is there. He is there every second where Kevin is. But then why movie. doesn't he like, come and like stop the wet bandits from coming into the house? Like, and why, like stop yeah. Kevin well, from I mean, why doesn't he going... do anything the first time he runs into Kevin when Kevin runs outside and says he's not afraid anymore? I mean And then he actually is afraid. Right. So it's like he keeps running into Kevin in these situations where he knows Kevin's alone and he doesn't do anything about it until the very, very end. So Yeah, I just think like, he keeps to himself and he's not interested. You know, he's not not that he's not interested right next he's door. Just not butting into their Yeah. When he lives but, right next door, he probably saw them all leave. Maybe, but their cars are still there because they left the the garage open. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh <laughs> that could be the case. So you think old man Marley was uh just wanted to wait until the very last second when I Kevin think so. I think so. I think all them. I think all them. Marley was. I don't know why. Like maybe it was some sort of weird thing where all them. Marley was actually a ghost. Well, is he, like I mean, I guess you could say is he Kevin's guardian angel? Right, or is he? You know, is he Jacob Marley, the g- 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 ghost? Uh, maybe, yeah. but the kids see him too because the kids talk about him when it's showing inside. Um, so is he just like a Deus Ex Marley, basically? You think he is a Deus Ex Marley? Yeah. All right. Uh, so that's my number four. What is your number four? Or you already did your number four. No, I did my number four. We and that was your number three, right? Did you have anything three. else on yeah. him? On Kevin? Um, yep. All right. Anything else on, yeah. on your number three, or should I go to my number no, three? No, I, 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 that was basically what I had was the, the kid logic and the sort of having to act like an adult trying to figure out how adults think. Uh, the aftershave scene, mm-hmm. obviously, which we didn't hit on yet. Twice. Classic. Uh, yeah. Classic Kevin trying to act like an adult because he thinks that's what adults do, which is hot, you know, pop on aftershave. And it. did you know that this movie actually caused the alcohol, the um, aftershave industry to change the way they marketed aftershave? Uh, I did not. But I will say that as a kid, I like I would go to the gym and they would have aftershave at the mm-hmm. gym and I would always like think twice about using aftershave well, because I was like, oh, it's going to hurt. I can't put aftershave on my well, face. Well, it's because alcohol, uh, it, it contained alcohol back then. Right. And so it would burn the skin. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so now all your aftershaves have aloe so that it soothes the skin mm. instead of alcohol. So oh. it's, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go on to my uh, number two if you want. Well, I have my number three to do. Or you so. want to go with your number three? All right, yeah, go. I'll go with my number oh, three. Oh, yeah. That, that uh, was, and I will say, uh, Maybe we'll talk about this, but like products that benefited from this movie, I feel like, yeah. uh, or got impacted by this movie, I guess. Aftershave, American Airlines. I feel like I remember the, the VHS had a big American Airlines commercial before the movie started, or maybe it was just on TV, but there was definitely an American Airlines commercial with this movie. Yeah, uh, there were a lot of them. Um, uh, I feel like Pepsi as well. <laughs> Pepsi, uh, Pepsi definitely, I think, benefited because yeah. it was like such a cute thing to have them. Be like easy on the Pepsi. Yeah. Um, and, and oh, and also going back to Kevin, uh, one other thing I have in my notes is just yeah. the scene where he sits down to eat his frozen macaroni and cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was like it's just like so cute that he's like acting like he's like oh I have to I have to make myself like a nice like uh uh Christmas Eve dinner. But of right. course he's it's like a dumb kid goes to eat his Christmas dinner right when the clock strikes six o'clock, right when the wet bandits arrive. So he can't even eat it. Right. And then he has to like, I, I the ca- lighting candles for your dinner is some, such an adult thing to do too. Like right. having, having a candle at dinner is an adult thing. So I mean, yeah, that, that goes into the adult thing too. Mm-hmm. Um, just, uh, yeah, it's all kid logic of how kids think adults act. And so they try to act like the adult. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and I don't know where we'll, when we'll get into it. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe I'll just hold it. But I do have some other, like, I do have some other notes uh, on okay. things that Kevin yeah. does. So. Of course. Uh, all right. So my number three is uh, the probably the thing that had me laughing the most in this movie. Mm. And that is the reactions of the Wet Bandits. Okay. So I, um, Daniel Stern and mm-hmm. uh, Joe Pesci, just their reaction to the different torture that Kevin inflicts on them was mm-hmm. so perfect and it was over the top but it was just so like when uh you know the first time when and i never can remember which one's harry which one's Marv. so joe pesci is harry i feel like joe Correct. Pesci. yeah i feel like marv is a better name for joe pesci i, I think so too and i always used to confuse them as, as a kid as a kid too and just yeah uh so harry when harry gets shot with the bb gun and he's like and he's making those i can't even yeah, do the it. noises making yeah. those noises and like everything and it's not just him daniel stern does it too where the screams and uh yeah. the the pain noises that they make are just so perfect yeah i think my favorite one is um and i mean this is a you know we don't have to get into the whole actual painful torture of it but like my my favorite painful noise he makes is after he gets his head burned by the blowtorch and he puts his head in the dirt and then he like gets up and does the like frustrated walk back over the door and he's like exactly yes it's like the perfect noises that are impossible to do right it's like this looney tunes-esque thing and so i i yeah i agree i think those are the the reactions definitely hold up and then also like their interactions with each other also really hold up like Mar like Marv doing the ridiculous thing of you know the first time that they you see them um rob the Murphy house and then come out to the car and Marv is just like laughing to himself without setting the house the the water on in the house and Harry's yes. like you did it again didn't you and he's just like giggling to himself come on it's our calling card with the wet bandits and he's like you know you're sick you're sick Marv and I, I, I like all that I think they play off of each other really really well. Um, and that is what ends up leading. I mean, you know, that he thinks he's so clever and so mm-hmm. funny by being the wet bandits. And, and that is what leads the police to know every house that they yeah. robbed. Just Although, remember, it's the wet bandits. Yeah. I do think that uh, there's probably in more concrete evidence to them robbing the houses than just oh, the sure. was left running. Um, it seems kind of circumstantial to me. Well, I am not. I mean, also I am not using gloves uh, with the fingers cut down. off, you know? Yeah. It means they um, left I mean, fingerprints everywhere. Right, exactly. <laughs> but but the cops are like, oh, we know which houses you robbed because you left the water running. It's like, well, no, you probably would know which houses they robbed because of their fingerprints and that the houses were all robbed on the same street. Right, exactly. I guess it's a it's a good way to, to help. Um, those poor houses, totally destroyed. So, oh, like, when, when Kevin goes into the house at the end and you see how flooded it is, the Murphy's house, yeah. I think it was the Murphy's house, Um, it, you know. Th- that's that's very sad for them. Do you think our Do you think our buddy Mac is gonna have trouble watching this now? Oh, maybe now that, some, yeah, now that he's had yeah. some. Yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> so, uh, all right, so that is my number three. The web. Oh, and the my favorite web bandits one, which I think is the most like like the most common knowledge movie yeah. trivia item, is that uh, Daniel Stern did not actually scream that was ADR'd in okay. when the tarantula is on him because. Okay. They didn't want to scare the tarantula and have the tarantula actually sting, oh, bite Daniel Stern. Fair enough. So yeah. the tarantula is on him, and then Daniel Stern has his mouth open, but he's not making any noise, and then they ADR sense. in the scream after. But that scream, I laughed so hard. It, it, I don't know why. It, it's a good scream. Yeah, it just was like the perfect high-pitched scream. Yeah, and he's then a really good from scream. there, he he uses the crowbar and hits 
and sure. uh, hits Harry. So it's it, yeah. I don't know. I'm not usually into like super slapsticky stuff, but it worked really well for me. Yeah, this worked. Um, it's a good juxtaposition to sort of the seriousness of some of the other stuff in the film. You know, um, as far as like especially the Marley scene before, like you sort of are at like your lowest level of calm during the Marley scene to sort of get you at your like heart rate's lowest for the most like high ang- anxiety 30 minutes of the movie with the with the What do you robbers. think of the pacing of this movie? So like the movie is known as robbers try to go into the McAllister house and Kevin stops them, but it's really like 20 minutes of the movie is that. The but, I mean, they, I mean he, they tried multiple times at least. But, so, the, but like, I feel yeah. like what this if you ask me like what's Home Alone about, they would say, you right. know, kids sets traps for robbers that are coming in. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, but it it's is... really it's really not a big majority. It's just like the the final act of the movie is that. That's true. But I think the movie is short enough that it sort of is still about that. It's more like kid gets left home alone and and robbers try to take over the house. Yeah. You know, uh, and I actually both. I. And Maybe as a kid, I probably liked the robbers taking over the house. I mean, I remember that was right. the Nintendo game was right. basically that. You were setting traps for wet bandits. Right. Um, but I much prefer the first three quarters of this movie when it's just Kevin being home alone. Just yeah, I agree. Crazy things. I, agree. I the the like, you, you know, it was fun to watch him get mm-hmm. the better of the wet bandits. But I thought that was the least interesting part of this movie. I actually 100% agree. And that was like the part I loved the most as a kid. Yeah, it's very... It's interesting how your brain shifts, you know? Yeah. Right. Um, and, and, but that's not to take away from the Wet Bandits who really no. played up. They, their, their performances played up and, and made the traps perfect for me. But, uh, the you know, just watching Kevin learn to be home alone, try to act like an adult, um, yeah. that stuff was really funny. Well, speaking of the first two-thirds of this movie, why don't we go to my number two, right. which is the thing I think has probably aged best from this movie which is just the frustration of air travel. Ah, okay. Yeah, it's just like trying to get to the airport, especially around the holidays, being stuck at the airport, flights being delayed, flights being canceled, not being able to get on standby, trying to figure out if you're going to make your flight. It's all the frustration of the holiday air travel is just incredibly intense in this movie and pumps the anxiety up in those scenes really really well and like i think the i think all of these actors who do who play the um flight attendants and ticket counter people are all really great even in with the little work they have to do um you know they're, they they have that tone of well we wish we could help you but right blah 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 well like they, i will say match that american paper. airlines flight uh, flight attendant or, or whatever you would, would call the woman who's working the desk at American Airlines when they yeah. get to the airport. Yeah, uh, yeah. I have arrived at a flight before when the door was closed and you're done. You're not getting on yeah, that flight. Yeah, you're not getting on that flight. And then she opened, she's also, like, oh, you're just in time. We but that's also a pre-9-11 world. Yeah, I, there's that's a part lot of the pre-9-11 yeah. in this movie. Um, I will say that, you know, when you talk about that, I I do feel like I hear the music from this movie every time I've had yeah. to run through an airport to catch a flight. Absolutely. I feel like in my head, I just hear yeah. that. You, you hear the, and then the run, run, Rudolph. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And to go with that too, I think the jumping out of bed, you know, screaming, we slept in. I feel like I think of that a lot too, when I like jump out of bed and I realize I overslept, which happens a lot to me. 
<laughs> and and it, that that was a great Catherine Hare performance. That was great John Hurd as well. They they did a great job like timing that jumping out of bed and screaming at each other and then yeah, they're both great. Uh, running all over. So but, yeah, I, I think the I think that's the thing that I like the most. And then the sort of like you know you you find a way to make it work and make it to wherever you need to be no matter what the cost you know by the end of it and even if it's even, even if it's, if it's air at your earrings and a pocket yeah, translator exactly or even if it's sitting in the back of a penske even if it's sitting in the back of a penske truck on your way to milwaukee speaking of which by the way i don't know this because i don't know the geography of the midwest as, as well as you probably do if you're driving from scranton to milwaukee do you go through chicago yeah, he would, because you you, you take uh I don't, know, I don't I think it's I eighty maybe or uh seventy, but I so okay. that's actually the road I've taken when I would come back from D C to Michigan because you okay it's not really from Scranton but you would take Pennsylvania you would just kind of go along the bottom of the Great Lakes in Michigan like through oh, Ohio through Indiana and then uh, Illinois and then you would take a you'd curve up around Lake Michigan up to Wisconsin. got it oh so it actually that curve. actually works out yeah yeah because you have to do the curve. There's yeah. no way to not. I mean, you, there might be a more efficient way, but it's. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's that far out of the way to go to Chicago. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, you know, that's that's a long time to be sitting in the back of a van listening to polka. Uh, yeah, um, I polka polka. Yeah, okay, so the hit of this polka band, their number one song is a song called Polka Polka. Oh yeah. It's very uninspired. Also known as Love Me Polka. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Gus, Gus and his. Uh, polka. I love Gus and his polka band. They're great. But uh, yeah. Um, How would you rank – so if you had to power rank Scranton um, between Home Alone, she's in Scranton, The Office takes place in Scranton, and then Joe Biden being from Scranton, uh, what would you say Uh, is number one Scranton and what's the number three Scranton? Well, the Polka polka gang was actually the Kenosha Kickers, so they're not really from Scranton. No, but they met her in Scranton. That's 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 the airport. Well, then it's at the bottom because it's the least amount of Scranton we get. It's just – the airport in Scranton. Yeah. <laughs> but that was before. Uh, but that airport in Scranton was before uh, the office, really before Joe Biden. I mean, I think it was before he was. Uh, he was really on the on the national stage. Well, I honestly think Joe, when I think Joe Biden, I think Delaware more than I do Scranton. So he's he's probably two above this, and then number one is still the office. Oh yeah, the president. The office is, is uh, ahead of the president of the United States. As far as Scranton goes, yes. As far as things from Scranton go, yes. Yeah. Can you name anything else from Scranton? Uh, no, not off the top of my head. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is the the the. Uh, this has been the Scranton hour. Yeah, three of the four Mount Rushmore heads of Scranton we have right yeah, now. Yeah. Um, the fourth Mount Rushmore for Scranton. Well, yeah, that was my number two. We're talking uh, travel, travel anxiety, and traveling for the holidays. Is- now I can't remember traveling in 1990, but could you just talk to somebody in line? for an international flight and just get on the plane I as mean, they're boarding? I think you would still, as long as you're through customs, yeah, probably. Yeah, I guess. I, I mean, mean I guess if, if she's customs. flying yeah. stri- standby and they they yeah. just defer their ticket to her, yeah, but it doesn't seem like there they should just be some restrictions. Yes. Yeah, they would just both walk up to the ticket agent and say, hey, let her on, we'll wait. Yeah. You know, and then they would switch the tickets and it's fine. Yeah, the, the whole way that traveling works has changed so much. In the last 20 years, you know, that I, I believe anything was possible on a plane pre-2000. Not anything, not anything, because you my know? mom has a story where she was in the airport uh, when she was in college and her oh, friend yeah. 
they took her, th- they, you know, they went through uh, TSA or, or I guess it wasn't TSA at the time, whatever security. And they asked her if she had yeah. anything in her, in her bag that they need to be aware of. And she, go- and she said something along the lines of, I have a, I have a uh, machine gun and three grenades in my bag. And she was joking oh, and they God. arrested them for that. Why so would you say that's just a joke? Yeah. It, it's like the scene in uh, Meet the Parents. So. Sure. Yeah. You can't say bomb on an airplane, sir. Oh, man. Hey, oh. Meet yeah. the Parents. Yeah, Meet the Parents is a great one. I did not uh, write down Meet the Parents. All right. Well, well, you're doing that. That was your number two. Yeah, so that was my number two. What you my got? number two is uh, probably one of the things I think about the most with this movie, and that is the incredible music. I already talked yes, about that's my number play. one. Oh, that's your number, one. number okay. one. Oh, nice. Do you want to talk about it now, or do you want to save it to talk about number ones? Let's talk about it. Let's save it and talk about it as our number ones. Well, we... I guess there's we would be saving it till the next one because you would be going next with your number one. So the no, music. Book your, book your number one and your number two. That's my number two. Okay. So right. all right. All right. Okay. So then <laughs> my my other my number one. I'm not flipping the order, but I will go with my number one first. Right, exactly. Uh, my number one is the intro chaos first 15 minutes of this movie. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Just, it is so perfect and great. They, uh, everything from getting the introduction to Harry. Now, we don't get Marv early. We do just get Harry in that first scene. Um, you know, meeting all of these crazy, weird kids who talk mm-hmm. about the uh, French chicks don't shave their pits and nude beaches. Uh, you know, Kevin having, mis- yeah, Kevin yeah. getting mistreated by his whole family and mm-hmm. jumping up and down screen. I'm living alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, being called lazy incompetence. Uncle, we get the introduction. Yeah. Uncle Frank. Uh, right. we get ten pizzas being delivered. We get the pizza guy that the running gag of the pizza guy running into yeah. the uh, statue and those ten pizzas being delivered, yep. which uh, pretty good deal. One hundred twenty-two dollars for ten pizzas. Twelve dollars for- a pizza plus tax and tip. So yeah, that's. That's not bad well, for 1990. Pizza? It's a good, yeah. it's a good price for pizza. Yeah. Um, price of pizza hasn't changed that much for no. regular like Domino's style, you know. I mean, you uh, yeah, actually, a, I think that's more expensive than regular. I feel like you can get a Domino's pizza, pizza for like seven bucks. Now. Yeah. Uh, it might be. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um, well, the other, the other part I really like from the opening is Kevin like freaking out about not knowing how to pack his bag. And then this is the part that, that got me this watch is that you never actually see his bag get packed. He just gets sent straight up to the attic. Mm-hmm. So even if he had gotten up, he wouldn't have had a bag packed. So he would have been screwed when he got to France because he wouldn't have had any stuff. That's true. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you know, Mac pointed out because you asked Mac about that. Mm-hmm. And Mac pointed out that they pack his bag for him when they send him up. But we don't see that. We I don't, don't know if it's that. a deleted scene. But he said the re- that's the reason why he needs a toothbrush is because they packed his toothbrush away. Um, Got it. And I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense. We yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense. But then, yeah, you don't you don't really see that. So it's sort of the other question I had as far as the chaos and the um. Mm-hmm. They're, they're talking about, like, who's sleeping with who, and Kevin's like, can I sleep in your room, Buzz? I don't want to sleep with Fuller. How is that – is a house that big, and nobody's already sleeping upstairs in the attic? Um, Maybe it's the first night that they're all back there. Maybe. Okay, or is that where Fuller and Kevin were going to sleep, but after Kevin's outburst, Fuller sleeps somewhere else? Yeah, he said he was, had to sleep on the hide-a-bed with I'd Fuller. Have. Yeah, yeah I but I don't know where the hide-a-bed was. I mean, there was a bed up there. I would assume somebody was sleeping up in that attic. Yeah, so maybe... That looked like a cool place to, to sleep, I will say. Yeah, I wouldn't mind it. I mean, probably not for a 10-year-old, but, you know. Yeah. And also, it probably isn't very well insulated up there, so it might be yeah, really cool. That's true. Yeah, we did have a room over the garage that had a bed in it that was also my mom's office when we were growing up, and like that room step. was... That, yeah, that room was 
freezing cold if it was winter time. Like, and my mom hated how loud the heat was in there because it was an mm-hmm. independent heater. And so she would be like, it's too cold to get sleep up there. But um, mm-hmm. I did turn that into my bedroom for like one or two years oh, very cool. when I was a teenager. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I do love room over the garages or attic rooms. Yeah. Those are, those are always a cool thing in movies when those are turned into bedrooms. That's true. Um, um, like in Full House and in yeah. Step by Step. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah, I yeah, will say Little Narrows Pizza probably should revise mm-hmm. their policy. 20 minutes or less. I know that was a yeah. thing back then, but especially in the wintertime. Yeah, driving on black ice. Yeah, yeah. No, no good. Um, but yeah, I do think I, – I look to see if the uh, the Little Narrows Pizza driver was in more movies, and he doesn't look like he really was in anything else besides this. Yeah. I think one other movie. So, oh man, that's uh, too this, bad. Was, this was his high point, but you know, he was great too. And uh, we see him yeah. again because he gets scared by the uh, angels with filthy souls gag yep. that Kevin does twice yep. where he scares the, where he scares the, uh, the people, who are, yeah. the wet bandits and the, the pizza guy. So, mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure we'll get into that. The timing of that is, is pretty. Funny. Yeah. I think the reuse of the reuse of gags is good in this movie. Like you have two shopping scenes, you have two pizza scenes, you have two, you know, uh, Kevin's mom freaking out, screaming scenes. You have, they, they, they reuse the same sort of bits with a little bit of difference mm-hmm. a lot in this movie, actually. Right, which they actually end up doing. Uh, they reuse a lot in the sequel as well. Yeah, they, yes, sure, um, sure. I do wonder, with the sequel, do you think, you know, we see growth from Kevin, where he becomes an adult, he takes care of himself for a week, um, he learns to appreciate his family, and that's all just reset in in Home Alone 2. Well, and I think part of that, but I think part of that is also teased by the end a little, which was one going to be one of my things. I don't think Kevin grew that much at the end of this movie because he still gives his mom that shitty, pouty bullshit. And even as do? a joke at the end, when she walks in and he gives her like the pouty grin before breaking into a smile. And it's like, all right, you're still a little bit of a shit. No, but I think he like, thought that they left him. I think that he's like hurt. And he's like still coming to grips with the fact that his family disappeared. Oh, no. no, but he obviously did it as a joke to her. To, like, oh, I, I, her I interpreted make, it as to he was like her a, out and make her think he's still mad. Yeah, I guess I yeah. I took that as he's like a dog with its tail between its legs, and he's you know like coming back to the owner, but he's not quite coming. Uh, that's not how I read it at all. I read it as him faking her out, making her think that he's still mad that they left, and she's not, and he's not like. Uh, yeah, I, I've never read that like that, but that's that's an interesting, interesting. way to look at it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. A couple other things on that intro. Listeners, write in and tell us who's right about the interpretation. Yeah. How, what did you, how, what's your interpretation? Of the yeah. Let us. Uh. A couple other things with the intro, fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. So they do have a decent amount of foreshadowing in the sure. very first scene. Um. Peter McAllister, Kevin's dad, says that Kevin needs to pick up his micro machines because Aunt Leslie yep. stepped on them and nearly broke her neck. Yeah. Uh, they say that Kevin is playing with the glue gun and fish hook. So it just shows mm-hmm. how Kevin is already kind of getting into hardware items and right. things that are in their basement and their garage and, and using them in different ways. Um, and you see uh, Buzz and his cousin uh, looking at the tarantula. Yeah, the, you and, see the tarantula a lot. They show the tarantula yeah. a lot. They really yeah, hit you over the head with the, this tarantula is going to be a big deal. Although I do think at least when I was a kid, I was surprised when the tarantula uh, comes out and saves Kevin. Yeah. So. Oh, um, another um, another thing connecting both the chaos scene and the uh, one of my earlier ones about the McAllisters being filthy rich. Mr. McAllister wipes up all of that soda and milk and goop with cloth napkins and then just throws us throws us 
those cloth napkins away. Like it's no big thing. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's like, a, yeah. It's very wasteful. Um, yeah, also throws like, away Kevin's ticket. You can see Kevin's uh, yeah, ticket yeah. is being wiped up, and it looked like their passports as well. Uh, um, or at least Kevin's passport. Yeah. Yeah, they were like covered in in milk. Did Buzz actually throw up? Yeah, I think he did. Cause he, it Cause seems he's like he's joking. Cause so he's fast. telling Kevin like you need to. He's yeah. like, you know, the only way you can eat this cheese pizza is if you throw up. Right. Or is if I throw it up. Like, also, how he, did anybody eat a cheese pizza that fast? Like, it, it wasn't that much time that passed. Yeah. Um. But, yeah. I don't know. Pizza can go very quickly. It's still... That's a good point. Yeah. So. That's, true. Right. that's true. And, uh, and then, you know, and that that scene ends with them waking up in the panic. That's mm-hmm. kind of the end of that that segment. Um. Yeah. But we do also have the neighbor kid who comes over that they think is Kevin. And yeah. he's just asking a million questions. And I really yeah. like the driver that he's talking to, the shuttle driver, has the thickest Chicago, Chicago yeah. accent ever. Heard. Look, so, kid, don't bother me. Exactly. Yes, that's very good. Very Bellbears. good. Yeah, it was straight out of <laughs> yeah. that. So. Um, yeah, Mitch Murphy. Mitch Murphy. Yes. Like that kid. Uh, sounds like a pitcher right. or something. Well, why don't we move on to our, our shared number one? Uh, I'm not claiming this is my number one. This is my number two. It's your number oh, you're one. You're number two. My number one. All right, fine. I'll, I'll lead off then. Um, Yeah, I think the thing that always holds up the most for me on any watch of this movie and the thing that just puts me right both in the spirit of the movie and in the spirit of the holidays, the music between both the score and, you know, a dozen fantastic Christmas songs in this movie just really get me ready for the holidays and make me feel like, oh, yeah, it is Christmas time, ready to go. You know, um, between Run Run Rudolph, White Christmas, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, and then the score. Jingle Bell Rock, which Jingle plays Bell Rock. during, during yeah. one of the best scenes in the movie, which is the uh, when the wet bandits show up and Kevin has the fake Christmas party, the party with the, yeah, yeah with the Michael Rock Jordan going around. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, I guess it wasn't. Was that Jingle Bell Rock or is that Rocking Around is that the Christmas? Same? Isn't that the same? Maybe it's the same. I, I think know. it's a different song. I think it's Rocking Around the Christmas Tree. Let me let me Google it. Uh, yeah, it's Rocking Around the Christmas Tree. That's Brenda Lee. Rocking Around the Christmas Tree by Brenda yeah. Lee. So. But yeah, like, and then the score, especially in the um, church scenes and the Santa scene are all like just really, really well done. Um, And the opening theme as well is really good um, with the opening credits. Yeah, I just I I love the music top to bottom uh, in this movie. I do remember in like middle school orchestra class, I think, because I was uh, played the cello for a very brief period of time. And I think that we did like a holiday concert and we played the score to this, the the title score, um, which is John Williams uh, as well, which this can't be the first John Williams movie that we've done. Correct. It's definitely not. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Oh, he did Raiders, of course. But I think it's only the second. So uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and Home Alone are the only uh, movies that we've heard. I thought he did. Wit- I thought he did Witness as well. Did he not? Oh, maybe. Um, I don't see Witness on here, but you okay. yeah. Um, so yes, it's a yeah. The score, the music, uh, the Christmas music throughout. Mm-hmm. It, it just it fits really perfectly. So. Yeah, it does. It's it's a really well done score. Um, yeah, I just really love. Uh, I just really love everything musically about this movie. Um, the way the way music is used. Um, I love I love like he's in the adulting scene with the aftershave and he's taking a shower and he's monologuing and he does, and he's singing along to white Christmas. And that's oh, right. Yeah. Another, uh, white Christmas, yeah yep. And that's another sort of him acting like an adult moment, yeah. you know, because he's trying to be big Crosby. And it's very yeah, if, if only, 
if only this movie had come out a couple years later, it could have had All I Want for Christmas is You, and it would have had every good Christmas song. It it. would have had every every important Christmas song. Yeah. Yeah. Because that is the best Christmas song. Is this movie better or worse with All I Want for Christmas? I just don't know really what it would much. Yeah, I mean, it'd be good, but I don't know. I don't really know where it would fit in. Maybe during yeah, the exactly. scene. Yeah, maybe maybe the, in the credits? Yeah, the, no, not in the credits, I don't think. Mm. Um, it would have to be, like, maybe playing in the store in the background. The one thing about this movie that's really interesting is all the media in it is very classic. It's classic Christmas music. Yeah, uh, there's sure. not any, you know, it's all, like, older songs. And then all the movies they watch are black and white movies. Now, yeah. Angels with Filth. Filthy Souls Filthy is a Souls. fake movie, but it's just meant to be like a, you know, classic, like 40s noir movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's patterned after the Cagney and Bogart. Okay. Yeah, that's what it seems like. Watching some black and white movie in with France. Jimmy Stewart. They're watching It's um it's a Wonderful Life. Oh, they are watching It's a Wonderful yeah, Life. Yeah, it's, it's a Wonderful Life in French. Yeah. Oh. It's weird that I guess with they Jimmy just didn't Stewart. have a movie that worked like Angels with Filthy Souls because Kevin does watch. Well, I think uh, they did that on purpose because they didn't want to, like, disparage the movie, I guess. Or maybe they couldn't get the rights. I don't. I know there is some sort of story behind that, but they, like, didn't want it to be a thing that, like, kids could seek out and watch. Mm-hmm. Because um, because of the violence that was being shown. So, like. Yeah. I see. That makes sense, I guess. Uh, yeah. Even though this movie is incredibly violent. So. Right, right, right. And I do think we'll get into the traps. We really haven't talked. I mean, we're, we're through our top five. We have not talked at all about the the traps for the Wet Bandits. I think we'll probably get into that in our listener questions. Um, so why don't we go ahead and recap our top fives, and then we'll yeah. go to our next top five, which is top five listener connect, listener questions, unless yeah. you have anything else you want to talk about. I don't. I don't. Uh, so, yeah, my uh, I'll go back through my top five. So my, my top five, I talked about Catherine O'Hara's uh, iconic performance, we talked about how rich the McAllisters are. You and I shared the idea of kid logic in the movie and how that informs Kevin as a character in his journey throughout the movie. We talked about the frustrations of air travel, which is my number uh, two. And my number one and your shared number two is the Christmas music. Yes. And my top five is uh, number five, Uncle Frank. Mm-hmm. Number four, Kevin trying to be an adult. Mm-hmm. Number three, the Wet Bandits reactions. Number two, the score and music throughout the movie. And number one, the introductory scene and all the crazy chaos that happens. Yes. Love it. All right. So got five movies. I I think this is definitely going to be our longest episode, if I had to guess, just based on how long we've already gone. Uh, This movie's worth it. Everybody's got some holiday time off. So our first question, our number five question, this comes from Other Brendan uh, on Twitter. Brendan Brendan Wells. Wells. Yes. He's asking about Home Alone in 2020. He said... Uh, In 2020, Buzz is obviously an anti-mask conspiracy idiot, uh, but from what super spreader event does he infect the rest of his family? Hmm. Brennan, what do you think? Uh, What super spreader event does Buzz go to that infects the rest of the family? Uh, That's a tough one. Probably a really bad concert, like a like a uh, like a concert with a really bad garage band. Oh, I was gonna say a country and it's band. At, like a dirty bar with a bunch of tweens. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I do think I think Buzz is probably infecting his family somehow. He does. It's ironic because he calls Kevin the disease in this movie, right. which I wrote down. Uh, don't call somebody a disease. In <laughs> yeah, don't call someone a disease. Yeah. Uh, which I is like worse, Buzz... being called a disease or less incompetence? Uh, 
I would rather be called it's lay lay incompetence. Oh, I'm sorry. Silent. Uh, lay yeah. miserable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Buzz is going to the gym still, okay. but he's not in shape. He's just going to the gym yeah. and he's wearing like a sweatsuit. Is and... he one of those guys that just goes to the gym to check out the girls that are? No, because he's got a girlfriend. Uh, he's got his girlfriend. He's he's had his girlfriend forever. He's not proposing okay. to her. And um, yeah, he goes to, he goes to the gym and he's also infected his girlfriend with the COVID that he's got from from his big box gym. Uh, all right, Brendan Noel continues and he says, uh, "Does a 79 year old Uncle Frank survive his bout with coronavirus?" Absolutely, he does because he's a survivor. He he's knows going, how to survive. Right. He's he's uh he's he probably bad. stole he probably stole a mask and a respirator. And it's just been holed up in his house with his stolen goods. Well, and that family has so much money, they can get him a private hospital. Exactly. That too. That too. He probably has the vaccine. Yeah. Already. That's true. He was the first yeah. one to get the vaccine. He pushed he people out of the way to yeah. get the vaccine, probably. Yeah, probably. He probably pushed people out of the way. Yeah. Speaking of 2020 Home Alone, I do think that there are plans to reboot Home Alone on Disney+. Plus. I believe um, there are, yeah. I haven't read too much into it. Um, I think that i feel like i heard something about the cast though and it actually like the cast sounded decent like rob delaney plays peter McAllister, um, and rob delaney is very funny if you've ever seen uh that show what is that show called uh catastrophe on on okay. uh, amazon he's the lead in that I, I guess my question would be how many more variations of this plot can you do like what exactly is it going to be done so many sequels um, right but only one of them is arguably good the rest yeah. of them are trash Right. So, uh, so this is called Home Alone 6, an upcoming <laughs> comedy directed by Dan Mazur, uh, and it is coming to Disney Plus. Is produced okay. as, and uh, it was announced in August of 2019. Um, I can't believe they're acknowledging the other Home Alone sequels by calling this Home Alone 6. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's true. That's a good point. Um, so, <laughs> principal photography began in February of 2020, but was shut oh, down due to COVID. Mm-hmm. So, uh. Let's see. In November of 2020, so just now, they announced that filming on uh, all movies that had been postponed by coronavirus had resumed filming. So I guess that means this is going to be starting. Um, the people who are who are uh, said to be in this, Archie Yates is going to be playing the role of the kid. Oh. So Archie Yates from the little kid from Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. Uh, Rob Delaney and Ellie Kemper are going to be the parents. Okay. So Ellie Kemper from The Office, Rob yeah. Delaney uh, Ooh, from Kemper. Twitter and from Catastrophe, also in yeah. Deadpool too. Uh, um, Schmidt. Yeah. Uh, and let's see. Uh, Allie Mackey, who I'm not sure who that is, uh, looks like uh, uh, she was in Toy Story 4. Uh, but okay. Keenan Thompson, Chris Parnell in the cast, Pete Holmes. Okay, so they're probably the they're probably uh, the robbers. Mike Day, and then Timothy Simmons, who is uh, Jonah on Veep, also. Oh yeah, love so. Jonah. So I mean, I am out on the idea of this movie, but the cast is great. I'm intrigued by the cast. Yeah. yeah. I, Here's the thing. I'll probably still watch it. Just I mean, so if I it's can... on Disney Plus, it's, it'll probably yeah. come out next Christmas. I would I'm imagine. already paying for Disney Plus, so I'm I would imagine it'll it. come out in one year. Um, yeah, I would so, imagine so. Uh, I would and... imagine it comes out next year on the 31st anniversary of Home Alone. So, pencil in November 16th, 2021. Now, here's one way to get you off of this. Uh, the director of this movie has only directed two other movies. One is I Give It a Year, which you've never heard of. The other is Dirty Grandpa. Oh boy. So, but he wrote on Office Christmas Party, okay. uh, Bridget Jones's Baby, The Dictator, Bruno, the, and The First Borat as well. We went to see Office Christmas Party, didn't we? Do you remember uh, yeah. what we thought of it? Uh, I thought about putting Office Christmas Party on my list because I think Office Christmas <laughs> Party is actually pretty funny. Does it hold – I wonder if it holds up because I remember we it's saw like that. It's a, uh, 
Yeah, we, we ended up seeing a screener for that. That was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it came out in 2016. Yeah, that's so. right. Uh, and this also, I can't remember if I said this, but this does say that uh, the movie is going to have uh, Macaulay Culkin reprising his role as Kevin McAllister. Interesting. So we're going to have an adult Macaulay Culkin. Also, I uh, highly recommend you follow Macaulay Culkin on Twitter. He's funny. I hope he's Uncle Kevin and he gets to be the Uncle Frank of the I movie. Think he's going to be the neighbor who they're all afraid of. Ooh. Like, he's going to be the uh, old man, uh, whatever his name is. Marley's grandson. Old man Marley. Yeah, he's yeah. going to, no, he's just going to be the neighbor who's like salting the streets and saves the day at the end of the movie. Wonderful. Um, I wonder if Keenan's going to be one of the what bandits. I, I hope so, because I love Keenan and I think he can do it. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm here for any any Keenan. All right. Yeah. Uh, so that's Home Alone in 2020. Our question number four, this comes from our former host, Av. He said, where did all the mannequins come from? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think this leads into the where did all the McAllister's riches come from question that I had. Um, I, I We don't really know a lot about Mrs. McAllister um, they have that massive basement. They have all that storage. They have all those rooms. I think I think you're right on when you mentioned earlier that she's possibly a fashion designer. I could see that, um, especially like she has a lot of really nice looking clothes in her closet. She she herself dresses really well. Um, I think she could be she could have been Rose in Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Day. Ah, yes, I like. You that. know, she could have been that person. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I could see her. I could see her being some sort of fashion executive, yeah. married to her rich lawyer husband, and that's why they have this massive house and et cetera, et cetera, and all the mannequins. And she needs the mannequins to practice her clothing lines on. Yeah, yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense because I did notice how nicely she's dressed during the movie. Like mm-hmm. she comes down for the pizza dinner with everybody, where they're you know, it's just like pizza and soda everywhere, and she's dressed in like a business suit. For sure. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, yes, I, I think, think, I think, I think she's a rose. Yeah, I think she's a rose. Yeah. I and think she's a fashion exec. Um, I think that. Yeah. All right. I think that's canon. We'll make that canon. All right. So question number three. This one comes from Molly, and this actually was part of her feedback, but we just pulled this question from it yeah. specifically. She says that she thinks Mar- Mary and Harv, Marv yeah. and uh-huh. Harry are decent villains, but it felt like watching torture porn after a couple scenes. Why are they so intent on robbing Kevin? Doesn't seem worth it. I get that it's cartoonish, but I don't see the point. So why I, – I don't know that it's necessarily robbing Kevin, but they're definitely intent on robbing that house. Um, they, they've been scouting that block for months is what Harry said, and this sort of seemed to be the silver tuna as uh, Harry the silver said. silver tuna, Here. not the big tuna, yes. The big tuna, yeah. The big tuna, the silver tuna, the gold tooth, the gold tooth, if you will, of yeah. houses on that block. And I will say to Molly's point, though – all the stuff that they seem to have grabbed from the Murphys was junk. Yeah. Like, and they just like they throw selling? it in the back of the truck and probably yeah. break it off. Like, what are they? What are they actually getting from these houses? Because it doesn't seem like any of it is worth any money. So, and you don't see them actually try to take any of the stuff inside the McAllister's house once they're in there. Yeah, and it's like a pre-eBay world as well. So it's not like right. it's, I mean, what are they going to do with all the crap that they stole? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'm not really sure what the uh, what their goal was. because yeah, they I guess they just what, want the jewelry and the high-value items. Um, right, but they didn't seem to be going for any of that in the Murphy house that we saw. But maybe, maybe it's just because they're so incompetent. Yeah, I mean, I think they're definitely incompetent. Yeah, uh, yeah. but we, we also don't see them, like, 
talking about what they're going to take from the McAllister house. You just know that they think they have a lot of riches in there. But what are they stealing? Is the, are they just robbing the toy store in to- in Home Alone Two? Uh, they, they're trying they to rob the safe, right? The safe in the toy store. Yeah. Okay, so that's a little bit better of a plan. Yeah, it's a little it's, better. But uh, yeah, it's not still in 2020 better. because everything is just paid with credit card. But in 1990, I guess that's right. better. So. Great question. Yeah, no, they're just idiots. I'm sorry, Molly. They're just dumb. Yeah. They 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 want to rob the McAllister house because they're morons. Yeah. I mean, you got to remember this is this is a movie mostly aimed at kids, but yeah. I do think what this movie favorite. does really well is much like Toy Story that um and some of the other Pixar movies is it has stuff that's great for kids and stuff that's great for adults. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the parents who took the kids to see it, like our parents did, uh yeah. It, you know, there's something to enjoy. Although I do think that when I was a kid, there was a lot of backlash about the violence in this movie. Right. And should yeah, your kids sure. see this? Because it is it is a very violent it movie. Is, yeah, it's a, especially in terms of a kid enacting violence on an adult. And a and, kid using household items that, you know, the kid might yeah. find paint cans in the house. Uh, right, unless, exactly. Or and like wanting paint cans at their brother, you exactly. know? Yep, yeah. yeah. So uh, I do remember, because when I came, so this came out in 1990, so I was five or six right. years old when this came out you were you know 10 yeah uh, and i remember i wanted to see it and i think i remember my aunt saying that we shouldn't see it because we, it, we were too little for it and i don't remember when we first saw it but probably way too young still yeah i think i think i definitely saw this the year it came out um but yeah i also don't think that we necessarily had any of the stuff from this movie hanging around the house to the degree that we could use it in the way kevin did like i don't think we had a blowtorch just no, hanging we around didn't. You yeah, know, we didn't, have a, we didn't have a laundry chute that we could drop an iron down, Yeah. you know. Um, I remember the, the so. thing, and I, I don't still don't really know what it is. I guess it's for a smoker, for the grill, but the thing that Kevin yeah. puts around the door handle that, like, heats up, um, I think yeah. it's just to, like, light the grill, I guess. It goes um, in the fireplace, yeah, and it heats it up. I don't know what it's really for. Yeah. I've never seen one of those anywhere else than in this movie. Yeah, I think it's part of a smoker. I think you put it in a grill and you you smoke you yeah. can smoke the wood using it. I think that's, that's how rich the McAllisters were. They were already into smoking <laughs> barbecue yeah. before it was before it was hip. Yeah. Like maybe maybe that's what happens. Maybe Buzz takes over the family uh oh, the family smoking business and he starts a food truck. I love it. That that's great. And that's how he gives coronavirus to everyone. <laughs> He's just coughing on the food. He's just coughing all over the food truck. Pretending to oh. pretending to throw up all over his food. Oh, uh, that's all great. right. So question number two. This comes from Jeremy, and he says, Which of the traps is least likely to be survived by the West by the wet bandits? Wet bandits. That's great. Oh, I will tell you what Jeremy told me, but I'll see what you – I have my – I think it's the slip and fall off the top of the porch steps Ooh, onto yeah. the sidewalk after Mark burns his hand. So I or think after Harry burns his hand, I mean. The slip and fall down, down the head. basement steps I Ooh, think is more dangerous because that's a whole lot of that's uh, a cement. Yeah. Uh, yeah, mine was the paint cans. I think uh, okay. don't get yeah. hit with a paint can coming like that in the off face. Off the staircase, yeah. And knocked back off the staircase – Multiple That's times fair. and live yeah. to tell the story. That's fair. Yeah, uh, I, I think mine was just because I think you're landing and cracking your skull on the sidewalk when you fall off of the when you slip all the way from the top level of the porch all the way down, catching air. I think you're. I think you're dead. I mean that that cement is very hard. Uh, and, yeah. I mean I remember a couple of years ago you slipped on the ice and you I broke did. your wrist. And I broke so. my wrist because I landed yeah. directly hand down. On my wrist, yeah, trying to uh, make a bus for work. 
So Jeremy fun. said he yeah. thought uh, the hot iron to the face was the most deadly, which I don't think that's that. I mean, it would hurt, but I don't think yeah. that's that deadly. No, I think I think that's not as bad. Um, and obviously, if the tarantula really had stung him and he was allergic to tar- to spiders, that could have been real bad. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think for me, I think it, for me, and maybe it's because I have fallen in this way in the past. The most terrifying to me has always been the fall from the top of the porch all the way down to the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I did pull up friend of the podcast. Josh Wiggler wrote an article for MTV.com back in. Let's see. What year was this? 2015? Yes. 2015. And the title is every single one of Macaulay Culkin's evil genius Home Alone traps ranked. So this is in both Home Alone 1 and Home Alone 2. But I figured I would go through the top five of Home Alone 1. Yeah, go for it. uh, I will say his number 33 is uh, shoveling praise is what he called this. So this is when uh, old man Marley shows up and hits the wet bandits. That's his lowest ranked. Trap. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. So I don't know if exactly if I have five, um, let's see. Oh, his number his number 13. He titles uh-huh. Birdman or the unexpected virtue of Harry's ignorance. If you're curious about uh, what year this was written. <laughs> and uh, that's when Harry, is, that's when Harry is tarred and feathered. Uh, yeah. And I do think that that, uh, that one is really funny. I just like that's that. That's really good. Yeah. All right, so his top five, I believe. So uh, number nine overall is The Sweet Escape, and mm-hmm. this is when Kevin cuts the rope when yep. the wet bandits are chasing him into the treehouse, and they go flying into the, the brick. Yep. That does seem pretty deadly. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, I guess these are just ranked by how much he liked them, not by how dangerous they are. Right. Uh, number four, Too Hot to Handle. This is uh, Harry when he burns his hand and then sticks it into the snow. And uh-huh. That's disgusting. Uh, his next one, the Spider-Man. This is the tarantula on Marv's face. Okay. So uh, everything is Spider-Man. Yes. Uh, the next one, the paint bucket challenge. Again, a cultural reference from 2015, but that's the paint bucket coming through, hitting them in the face, knocking out Harry's gold tooth. Mm-hmm. Um, and the top two is uh, Harry's head getting burned by the blowtorch when he opens the door. That's a rough one. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the top one is when Harry then has to put his head into the snow and cool it off. And then he burns – he is uh, – everything's burned off and he's just bald with uh, everything frozen. So that's his number two overall. His number one is from Home Alone 2, and okay. that is Marv getting electrocuted when you see the skeleton. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah, that's yeah. – you're, you're dead. That's, yeah, this, yeah, this one basically says, like, uh, Kevin McAllister really killed this guy. Yeah, so, game over. Yeah. Game over, man. Uh so, yeah, that's on MTV.com. You just have to Google it. Uh, yeah. You just Google. Uh, every single one of Macaulay Culkin's Evil Genius Home Alone Traps ranked, you can see the entire list that he wrote back in 2015. Nice. Good so, job, Wigler. Yeah. All right. And number one, our number one question that is lingering, and this, I feel like it's a question from this year that I've never heard people talk about until this year. Yeah. Uh, this comes from both Nolan Rossiter and Jim Crumley. Why do people think Home Alone is a Christmas movie? Because it's set in the two days of rounding and on Christmas. Yes. What else do you need? It's the same argument I make for people saying, why is Die Hard a Christmas movie? It takes place on Christmas. Christmas is a central element of this movie. The important context of this movie is about being left home alone on Christmas. I mean, Kevin goes to church. Kevin yeah. talks to Santa. Kevin yeah. has presents that he wrapped or that he like, has Christmas under the tree. There is Christmas music throughout yes. this Tons movie. Tons of Christmas music. That he is watches like the, the Grinch, which is another Christmas movie. Yes. 
Um, what do you want? What 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 what, what more context is, do you need? Yeah, this is as much of a Christmas movie as you can get, I would say. Correct. Yeah, it's more of a Christmas movie than Die Hard. I can understand the Die Hard argument because that is an action movie that, quote unquote, as people argue, happens to take place on Christmas. Uh, that's fine, but that doesn't make it any less of a Christmas movie. Also, I believe it did. Uh, Die Hard came out July fifteenth, nineteen eighty. Okay, they're not. <laughs> so that, that is a. Feather... But I watch it every Christmas. Right. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think it's close enough to a Christmas movie. This um, is. This is a hundred percent more a Christmas movie than Die Hard is. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think this is as much of a Christmas movie as Christmas Vacation. Correct. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe a little bit less than the ones that take place or that are a one hundred percent focused around Santa Claus, but this one has yeah. Santa Claus in it. Correct. So, yeah. They even make a the, the wet bandits even make a reference to Santa Claus. Yes. Kids are, you know. Yeah. Um <laughs> Well, I I have a I don't know if you have a list, but I have a top 10 list of best Christmas movies. I did not put together a list, but um I don't I'll read I my top one. 10 of Christmas movies and yeah, I'll do it. react to it. All yeah. right. Uh, and I watch I I as a uh, Jewish <laughs> man love my Christmas movies. Good job. Um I last year I watched a bunch of Christmas movies. Every Christmas I watch a lot of Christmas movies. Some more often than others. So yes. this is my top ten list. You will notice one is missing from it because I think it is highly overrated. Ooh. So my number ten Christmas movie is Jingle All the Way. Very underrated movie. This movie's hilarious. That's with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I I'd be curious to see how it holds up. I haven't seen it in a really I watched long it last time. Year. Still very funny. My <laughs> number nine, The Family Man. So Nicolas Cage, where never saw imagined... it. Oh, oh yeah. All right, maybe I will add that to connections. My number eight, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Love Christmas this Vacation. movie. I don't think it's as funny as everybody else does. That's in my top five, and that's another one that I think if you grew up with the Chevy Chase National Lampoon stuff, like this really, this really plays well for me. It's a lot more like my family and how things go for my family around the holidays than this movie is. So it's it holds a really special place in my heart. Like I find it to be the most family realistic one to my family next to um a Christmas story. Yeah. Like it's um, it's right up there with a Christmas story for me. Yeah, this is just one we didn't grow up with it. I've watched it a couple times. It's mm-hmm. funny. I people quote this movie. I don't think this movie is I, I think Vegas Vacation is better than Christmas Vacation. Wow. Blasphemy. I don't know. Uh my number seven, Scrooge, Bill Murray. Story of the Good call. Uh, Yep. Uh, it belongs in there. Yes. What is it? What is Why can't I think of what's the Scrooge? What is it called? Uh, not a Christmas story. What the hell is that movie, That play called in book? Christmas and, Carol. Christmas Carol. Yes. yes. Uh, the ghost Christmas, story of Christmas. Yes. Christmas Carol used to see that every year at Ford's Theater yeah. when you worked there. Yep. My number six, another very highly underrated Christmas movie. The Night Before, this came out a couple years ago with Seth Rogen, Jesse Gordon-Levitt, Anthony Mackie. Yeah. Friends that, uh, yeah, you showed me The Night Before. I oh, yeah. I, I think The Night Before is really great. They got the one Jewish friend. Um, mm-hmm. If you want just like a good hangout movie that'll make you miss going out with friends, uh, yeah. watch watch The Night Before. Unless it yeah, it's a, good, it's a good Christmas hangout movie for your friends if you're like having a Christmas get-together and you want to throw something on. And you've all seen all the other Christmas movies a million times. Throw this one on, you know. All right, my number five. I feel like this is one a lot of people have not seen, and it's mm-hmm. very funny. This is Mixed Nuts, starring Steve yes. Martin, about a suicide hotline on Christmas Eve. Um, it's got a very young Adam Sandler in it as well. Mm-hmm. So. I do like the Mixed Nuts, yeah. Uh, my number four, A Christmas Story. This is one I did not grow up with. I actually did not see this until I was much older, mm-hmm. um, but I understand why this one is a Christmas classic. Yeah. 
I mean, it's sort of the real story of like how everyone thinks back on their childhood, and it's it's, it's just pure nostalgia bait. Um, yeah. it's yeah, it's got it's got a lot of classic moments in it. Um, you know, the the Red Rider movie gun, the visit to go see Santa, the Christmas parade, the Thanksgiving turkey, the Christmas turkey, everything in it is fantastic. The leg lamp, like it's yeah. it's it's yeah. it's just it, it's just like top to bottom a really good story. Um, yeah, sure. just very classic. Yeah. I hope I'm not stepping on a bunch of movies we're going to talk about in December by doing I mean, this, but oh well, we'll see. whatever. Yeah, we'll see. That's uh, number number three, number three movie that's already come up. There's a debate about if it's a Christmas movie, but I believe it is, and it is my number three. It is Die Hard. Good for you. So uh, Nakatomi Plaza. My number two talked about it a bunch. That is Home Alone. Good for you. And my number one, It's a Wonderful Life. I love It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, I'm so happy you. to watch it. They used to do the uh, Arlington Draft House in Arlington, Virginia. Yep. Used to do a uh, um, a showing of this where they would do an ugly sweater contest, and it, they would show it every night there, and you could go there. They'd have specials, and yeah. uh, it, we went. Yeah, we did, we did that one year. It was really great. Um, yeah, with our buddy Mac and Rahul, um, that was a lot of fun. It's a it's a really it's a really fun time. It's something I miss. Um, you know, Arlington Draft House, a lot like a lot of other theaters around here, is closed now. Um, you know, but hopefully one day we'll get all of that back. You yeah. know, be able to be able to start that tradition again. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think there are a couple of glaring gaps in your list that people are gonna say, wait a second, what about X? Um, Muppet Christmas Carol is one that is not oh, on yeah. your list. Um, I watched it last year. It's fine. I think, I think if yeah, I'm gonna watch think, a Christmas Carol version, I'd rather watch Scrooge. I, and this is where I come down is I think I, I think I agree, but in a different direction. If I'm going to watch a Christmas Carol version, I'm going to watch Mickey's Christmas Carol, ah. which is the one where Goofy is Marley and it's Mickey. And it's I think it's so much better than Muppet Christmas Carol. Um, That's the cartoon Christmas Carol I grew up with. Yeah. Um, And I know a lot of people also grew up with the um, George C. Scott 80s Christmas Carol. That one is terrifying. Like the ghosts in it are really actually legit scary, and so are the little children that are like under the final ghost cloak. It's mm-hmm. it's terrifying. It's so dark and grim. There's a lot of really good moments from it though. I I like the George C. Scott Christmas Carol version a lot. Um, what else? What else is missing from your list? Elf uh, is the one that everybody's uh, screaming at their yeah, phones yeah. right now, and I just yeah. think Elf is not very funny and is annoying. So I I feel like it was really funny the first time I saw it, and then it has diminished. The more I've seen it, and I think part of that is the GIF and memeization of it, mm-hmm. has yeah, sort of diluted the novelty of it for me. Yeah. But yeah. I get it. He likes maple syrup. Yeah, oh. I get it. Yeah. Uh, James Caan is good in it. But, yeah. uh, is uh, Elf a Christmas movie? Uh, I don't know. To be I mean, he's an elf. I don't know. That'll be debated next year. <laughs> so. all right well we are going super long so let's uh hop into connections between this movie and other movies we've talked sure. about then we'll get into listener feedback and move on to next week's movie so uh i have the reason why i want to hurry this long is because i have probably the most connections i've written down for any oh, movie that we've talked about go for uh, it so let's start with connections to don't tell mom the babysitter's dead do you have any yeah. connections besides ones we've talked about yeah so obviously um the big one is kids taking on adult responsibilities such as doing the dishes Grocery shopping, cleaning the house, budgeting. Um, Kevin steals Buzz's money, like uh, Sue Ellen does to the petty cash. Yep. Um, and then we talked about the possibility that uh, Mrs. McAllister, whose first name I should know but I can't think of, is uh, uh, yeah. What is her name? Catherine Carol? McAllister. Carol? No, Catherine. not Carol. Um, Catherine, I think it's Catherine. Kate McAllister. Ellen, huh? 
Kate McAllister. Kate. Freaking yeah. Kate. Kate plus eight. Kate and, um, Peter. Kate and Peter plus eight. Uh, yeah, yeah. That she could possibly also be a fashion executive would be a big one if that is actually true. But um, those are the main ones I had. All right. So I also the, wrote down Super mm-hmm. Shuttle. Okay. So there's a Super Shuttle in the beginning of both movies or okay. a Super Shuttle-like uh, yeah. thing. Yeah. Airport service, yeah. A uh, loud TV setup playing a key role in the movie. So we have the loud. Oh yeah, I did have the surround sound. Right yeah, now. so the yeah. surround sound scares with the yep. uh, with the movie when they think those gunshots. But also in last yep. week's movie, that big TV setup it gets delivered with the petty cash it's stolen, yeah. and then Walter falls off the roof because uh, he's trying to fix the cable. Yep, and, and the left fall off the roof, so you know. Yeah. yeah. And then um, I also put. Kids alone after something supernatural happens. Now, this yeah. one is, can be debated, but we don't really know what killed the babysitter. We think maybe Great it was point. a heart attack or, you know, mysterious causes. And in this movie, uh, they sleep in because the storm comes through. But there is kind of that music that plays when the storm happens yeah. that makes you think like it's almost like a like an angel coming right. in. Like it plays story. the chimes. So yeah. um, I put that. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Uh, so other things that connected, I guess we can just kind of popcorn back and forth, but I think I have yeah. a lot more than you. Um, I put Catherine O'Hara between Beetlejuice, Guffman, and this movie. Obviously. Yeah, yep. absolutely. And then I had uh, bumbling criminals, like uh, ones in Dick Tracy, Dirt Rock, Scoundrels, Point Break. Um, what else did you have? Um, yeah, so I had uh, A Life of Crime. Okay. And, uh, not just for them, but for Kevin. He starts A Life of Crime because he, uh, his traps. Yeah. And uh, – and he also steals the toothbrush as well. So yep. that's his first where he first breaks bad. Uh, and then did you notice that when Kevin is running away from the toothbrush scene, a train mm-hmm. goes under him. So we've had oh. trains that pop Ooh, up. Train the- movies. Yeah. Um, I uh, also had home invasions in winter, uh, which connects to Fargo, Insomnia. And then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is also a, a climax with a home invasion. True. Um, so yeah, yeah. we, we love and, and the, I didn't think about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but what happens at the end of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood really kind of mirrors what happens to the Wet Bandits. So. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so going with your Fargo connection, I said uh, shitty small town cops. Yeah, so, also a good one. Yeah. Uh, that that scene is so funny. We have Sergeant Balzac. I love and, that guy. Uh, yeah. the, when she tra- when the lady cop transfers hit transfers Kate's call, she says she sounds kind of hyper. That line made me laugh really loud. He's like hyper on two. Yeah. So it just reminded me of like Marge Gunderson, although Marge yeah. is a good cop, but it is like Marge small is town cops. Yeah. So. But um, the other the other part, we should shout out that guy that plays the crisis cop because he's in a couple of other things that um I know I really like. So he's the Kramer stand in on Seinfeld. Oh, yeah. yeah, you're right. He's the um they they fooled me, Jerry. They fooled me, Jerry. He's he's that guy, and yeah. then um he's also he's the also, neighbor in Friends, right? Or Mister or something. Yeah, he's he's the neighbor in Friends. He's also isn't he in Billy Madison? Isn't he Mister Billy Madison's second in command guy oh, next to Carl? Carl? Yeah, he's Carl, isn't he? Yeah, I think you're I'm right. I'm pretty sure he's also Carl in Billy Madison with yeah. um, Bradley Whitford yeah. as uh, Eric. So and yeah, I think he so, passed away a few years ago as well. I but. think he did, yeah. So it's, it's, you want to shout him out. He's great. Um, he's a really good, hey, it's that guy actor, as yeah. the watchables like to say. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, other casting connections. So Joe Pesci, obviously, yep. is also in My Cousin Vinny. My Cousin Vinny. Um, and a smaller one. So the guy who plays Santa Claus okay. is, also has a cameo in Groundhog Day. Oh, yeah. He's, he's the, the guy to see the Groundhog Day, right? Yeah, now. he's the guy. Uh, yeah, off to see the Groundhog Day, Mr. Fo- Mr. Connors. So. That's a good connection. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I was like clicking around and I saw 
Groundhog Day, and then I, I realized that's who that was. Nice. So, um, this is another casting connection that's uh, kind of two steps removed. So the main character in this movie is Kevin McAllister. Okay. Uh, if you watched Mr. Robot, Kevin McAllister played a very, very big role in Mr. Robot. Yep. Uh, okay. Christian Slater starred in Mr. Robot. Christian Slater was also an interview with a vampire. <laughs> this isn't six degrees of a movie ladder. That's back. true. I, yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> that's why it's, I'm saying that one later. Uh, I have some more. Do you have any more that you want to say? Because I, I don't have any more. I'm right. done. Uh, I put important alarm clock. That okay. connects to Groundhog Day. Oh, yeah, good point. Yep. Uh, Orphans on Disney Plus. <laughs> Alexander Hamilton. Yeah, Ellen Hamilton, yeah. Uh, You're well. an orphan? I'm an orphan, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, I say Chicago movies. I don't actually know if we've covered any Chicago movies. I was trying yeah, to Yeah, I looked through and didn't think we had. That oh. take place in Chicago. Um, yeah. I mean, Witness takes place near Scranton. Um, true, true. Yeah. Was there any Christmas in Citizen Kane? It's Christmas at the end of the movie, or at the beginning of the movie when he breaks the snow globe, right? Yeah. And he's alone in the house a lot. Yeah, and he, um, his, yeah, because he and his wife have that big fight on Christmas, right? Yeah, I think you're right. Or near Christmas with the Christmas tree. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, let's see. Also, uh, they go to France. France is an interview with a vampire. Yep. Um, Uh, it isn't France Brothers Bloom as well. I was thinking that too. Um, Yeah, I think so. I do think the cheesy ending scene of this movie could have been one of the fake trailers in Tropic Thunder. Sure. So I put that down. Uh, and then two connected to Angels with Filthy Souls. Uh, the Tommy Gun playing a key role reminded me of Dick Tracy in the shootout. Yep. For sure. And uh, the guy that he blows away is named Snakes. Why has it got to be Snakes? Why has it got to be Snakes? Yes. But also like that, that also the sort of crazy gunplay standoff can also be connected to uh, Reservoir Dogs. Mm. And the um, gunfights in Reservoir Dogs were collateral. Um, yeah, and collateral, and Point Break, and Hot Fuzz, and what else? Um, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <That's about laughs> <it>. <laughs> uh, and then I guess you could say like the the crazy deaths and Happy Death Day could be similar yeah. to the traps. A little slapsticky, yeah. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. Um, Any Hitchcock connections in this movie? Uh, I mean. The, the tarantula is kind of like birds. I guess, you know, it's like, uh, like it's, we're stretching. Nothing, we're nothing stretching. really that I don't know. Nothing I saw that could connect to the Hitchcock movie okay. did. Anything that you have? No, I don't. I, why don't we get to listener feedback? Yeah, all right. Let's let's move this thing along. All right. So uh, listener feedback. So um, I will say I was kind of surprised by the feedback that we got. Yeah. It's a little all over the map. It's a little all over the map. I agree. So we will kick this off as we always do with Jeff. He said, I'd like to start off with a quick note directed mostly Taylor, but also at the <laughs> other two hosts as well. Oh, snap. This is a great, timeless, classic comedy. Unlike that horrible babysitter movie you all fawned all over last week, <laughs> this one truly holds up to the test of time. I've seen this movie at least once a year since it came out and often several times a year. It still makes me laugh out loud. The only similarity to last week's movie is that it isn't grounded in reality, but they make it work from the from the physical humor to the subtle adult jokes they make there is almost nothing wrong with this movie. I give it a solid five, and I would go higher if he could. He would add a he would add a fork if he could. Oh. Five shots forks. fired at the babysitter, dude. She's already dead. Yeah. You don't have to keep shooting her. She's dead. Cool. <laughs> That's true. All right. Um. Now on the other end of the spectrum, Molly said I did not enjoy Home Alone. It's too bad because the premise and the actors are great. I usually love John Hughes movies, but this felt tedious. It's not funny. The dialogue is bad, and it's cheesy in parts. The old man's storyline is out of place with the rest of the movie, and I hate it when Kevin runs around playing to the camera. 
I have no nostalgia for this movie. Maybe that's why it's hard for me to understand why it's such a hit. Two stars for Molly. Ouch. So I wonder, because you and I were saying like it would be fun to get somebody on this podcast who had never seen this movie before to get right, their reaction. Or at least didn't see it as a kid. And so right. maybe maybe we made a mistake not having Molly. Yeah, we should ask Molly. Because uh, yeah. it doesn't sound like she's seen it before. Yeah, um, it sounded like she didn't have any nostalgia for it. Maybe she saw it for the first time as an adult. Um, yeah, I get, and I think this is what we sort of said at the beginning, too, was how much would our ratings be glossed into the fact that we grew up with this movie and watched it. You know, we've probably seen it 50 times. Yeah, um, I, I still think it's, I, it's one of those that I get different things out of each time I watch it. And right. It's, I, agree. I, I just had to, well, we'll get to our ratings, but uh, yeah, but yeah. I, I think I, I don't think I, that I think relies I, on nostalgia, though. Yeah, I think I think some of it does, even if you don't realize it. Um, It's like an unconscious bias kind of thing. But yeah. I also agree that, um, you know, there's the you know, that doesn't mean that it's a bad movie just because you have nostalgia for it. Um, So I, I don't know. I, I think that. It's very interesting that um, people who didn't grow up with this movie definitely probably see it in a very different light, and Molly's one of those. Um, and I think we're about to get to another one with Jim yeah. here. So uh, Jim Crumley gives it a 2.5. He said, as yeah. covered elsewhere, where's Jim? Question mark. Where, Jim? I don't oh, know where. where. He didn't say where. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to know. Oh, yeah. Oh, you put where, where Jim. Oh, <laughs> yes. I should have uh, italicized it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. As covered elsewhere, I'm not a fan. I think he means there's a uh, 32 fans patron movies WhatsApp oh, group, and he's in there. So I think that's where it is. Uh, not to plug anybody else's Patreon, because we don't have right? one. Uh, so Jim says he's not a fan. Uh, there are some decent gags, but doesn't overall work for him. Yep. And uh, Olin said, this is the rare time when a childhood nostalgic film uh, that I recall seeing as a child... Not that I was a mega fan, but it held up quite well. Love old silent comedies and the Three Stooges, and there were a lot of those routines. I actually preferred the earlier bits with the crowded house and people rushing around with yeah. the uh, with the film speed cranked up. Also, Fuller or the bad brother cousin did remind me a lot of Biff in Back to the Future. Uh, I guess mm-hmm. he means Buzz is the one who reminds him of uh, Biff, uh, both in appearance and bullying manner. Uh, I will say on a, on a side note on Fuller, it is hilarious that Fuller ends up uh, that actor grows up and he's on succession. So he's, Karen yeah, Cole he's the younger Culkin. He's uh, Karen Culkin. Yeah. yeah. Um, Big so, fan. Yeah. Uh, he's great on succession. If you don't watch yeah, succession, it, you should watch it. I love succession. It's, there it's might so be a good. digesting I, succession podcast. I'm so, I'm, I'm so bummed that it didn't get to come out this summer. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, all right. So then Olin continues the later set pieces where he outwits, outlasts, outplays the wet bandits uh, were as an adult, a bit slow for me. But I can see having Kevin's reactions would help uh, children relate. The film held together, was nicely paced, and was a good fun watch. Mm-hmm. After all that, he gets a 3.75 stars. Yeah, <laughs> so, I think that's not bad. I think yeah. that's I think that's fair. I think I think Owen is right around where the average person would be, where they're trying not to judge it too much with nostalgia goggles, but also just can't help but love certain parts of the movie. So I, I think a 3.75 is fair. Fair enough. All right. Uh, and then Kyle Curry, he says three stars. Uh, it's been a while since I rewatched this. And while the nostalgia props it up for me quite a bit, I didn't love it as much as I remembered. Uh, Culkin mm-hmm. is the same age as me. So I definitely saw myself in his yep. role when the movie came out. Uh, get on the please don't remake this movie in the age of cell phone bandwagon. That's true. Cell phones would have really it's changed happening. this movie. Yeah. yeah. But uh, maybe the cast will get you more on board. Yeah. Uh, and he still has muscle memory fear over silly things like the furnace, neighbor salt in the sidewalk. 
Uh, but these scenes definitely read more funny to me now. Did you have like a furnace or anything that you were scared of growing up? No, because we didn't have a basement. We had like a we had an area under the house that you had to like go outside and go around to get mm. to. But which is pretty common in the South instead of a straight basement. Mm-hmm. Um, so we would have to go outside and around the back of the house to get into what was the basement, quote unquote. Because mm-hmm. we had a sloped yard, and that's where, like, my mom kept firewood and stuff like that for when it got really cold. But it wasn't – I was never really scared of that area. Uh, yeah, I, we had – I feel like there were things in our basement that sometimes, like, when I was really young, I would get kind of afraid of. Um, right. Like, so I shut the lights off. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle continues, I just listened to the My Favorite Murder episode about Brian David Smith killings. And I think that made this viewing, especially the basement scenes, a bit darker. I have not listened. I don't listen to that podcast. Do you listen to My Favorite Murder? I've never listened to My Favorite Murder, but um, I'm, I'm familiar with the concept. And, yeah, yeah, people love it. It's pretty dark. Like, that's one of the true crime ones I haven't gotten into just because they sort of my, – my understanding is they sort of dwell on the actual, like, gruesomeness of the crimes a little more than I actually would like rather than actually trying to solve the mystery. They're more – going into graphic details about ones that took place ah. rather than being a, like who done it. It's a, here's who did it and the awful thing they did. Mm-hmm. And I don't, and that's not really my jam, yeah. you know? So Kyle says uh, he couldn't find a clip of it online, but one of his most distinct mm-hmm. memories of home alone from 1990 was the brilliant marketing campaign that ran on TV. They interviewed right. kids coming out of the theater and asked them how many times they'd seen the movie for my family. Seeing movies in the theater was a treat. We never saw movies multiple times, but I remember needing to go back and see this one. I think I may have convinced my parents to let me see it a second time. It was very clever. Uh, I do not remember that, but I remember movie trailer or movie ads like that. And yeah. I do remember the ad that included uh, American Airlines. And yeah, that makes sense. It's a big, ad, good ad for them. So yeah. uh, with all that, he still only gives it a three, though. So must, I guess enough. the nostalgia did not hold up for Kyle. I mean, to, to a degree, three's not awful. Um yeah. yeah, and then we'll we'll close out with our uh, former co-host Av, who writes in to say I, I asked for his score uh, late in the day today, and he said, obviously it's a five, and I'm insulted that you even had to ask. <laughs> so yeah, it's a five from Av, and that nice. is going to average us out to a three point five from the listener Zach, which is not bad. Yeah. But I think a little lower than we were anticipating from our listeners. Matt, Matt gave it a four. I don't know if a four changes our, our uh, average. It doesn't job. really. Okay. Um, I didn't have that written in. Uh, I didn't see Mac. I didn't see Mac. From the yeah, it was right before he started recording. He gave a four. Okay. So, uh, all right. So that's a 3.5 from the listeners. Uh, I will go ahead and go first. So mm-hmm. I am going to go ahead and uh, – I, I mean, I think I've gushed about this movie. I really like it. It's yeah. not a perfect movie. I do think the first three quarters is better than the last quarter. So if I was going to give it like a 75, 80%, that would be a four out of five, mm. um, which I think is where I would land um, somewhere between a four and a 4.5. Um, so, uh, you know, it's it's the giving season. I will give it a 4.5. 4.5 from you. And I am actually right there with you the things that i feel like don't hold up as well with this movie aren't enough to not make it a classic to me Mm -hmm. like i'm i'm sort of there with av and with jeff that this really is a five of a movie but i'm also kind of there with certain things owen and kyle said about it not necessarily holding up as tight and I think we had a really good discussion about it throughout, about how sort of our mentalities about the things we love about this movie have shifted over time as we're adults. 
And so I think I'm right, actually right there in lockstep with you where and hold on club. the first three quarters of this movie hold up incredibly well and much better than the final 20, 25 minutes um, of the slapstick, goofy, Looney Tunes, break-in stuff. So I'm right there with you with a 4.5. and I 4.5 think for both of us? Yeah. 3.5 for gonna, listeners? Is that, what is that, a 4? That's going to average us to a 4.16 which we will bump down to a 4.0 for the purposes of Letterboxd. 4.0 on this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully we did Home Alone justice. I do think, you know, we said there are other podcasts that have covered Home Alone as well. Um, So now that you've listened to us talk about it, if you wanted to check out other podcasts, uh, Rob is a podcast. Him and Ian Terry did a Home Alone recap a couple years ago. It's very funny. Um, The Rewatchables this year covered Home Alone. uh, Rob has a website.com. Uh, you can oh, see it the archives. Rob is a yeah. So you can find it on there. Um, the Rewatchables did Home Alone in like early November. It was very weird timing for them to release a Home Alone yeah. episode. Um, but it that was, was really funny. I did happen to listen to that before this, and uh, I tried mm. not to take too many of the things that they said from this for this podcast. Yeah, but for sure, um, that one's that one's great. So if you need more Home Alone over the holiday season, those two are really good. Yeah, and I believe late last year, Nick's Picture Show also paired Home Alone with another movie. Um, oh, they did. They always do. They always do a really good job. Um, oh, Nick's Picture I don't know Show. If I listened so, to that one. I don't recall what it was, but I think they've done an episode recently on uh, Home Alone. But um, maybe I, I may be I may be misremembering. I don't, but I, think I don't they, see. I googled it. I don't see it uh, hmm, coming up. Okay, maybe I'm maybe I'm misremembering. I thought they did. Um, you know, in another podcast that did a Home Alone style episode mm-hmm. is uh, one that you and I are both huge fans of. That is Doughboys. Yes. They did a Christmas episode where they basically did like a parody of Home Alone. Uh, it's really it, good. Yeah. I, I, you, I think if you're not a Doughboys listener, you may not find the jokes as funny because a lot of inside jokes, but right. um, it's still very funny. It's very clever and really well written, and you can understand why these guys used to write for The Simpsons. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, they're they're both very talented. Um, but yeah, I I think that's about. All I have to say about Home Alone. Um, what about you? Well, at least for Home Alone 1. Let's see what we're watching <laughs> next week. So uh, we're going to go through our listener connections, and then we'll go through our host connections. Of course, cool. uh, every connection that we talk about will be put on our Letterboxd watch list. So if you're home this holiday season and you want something to watch, <laughs> check that out at Ladder Movie on Letterboxd. And then once we do pick a movie, uh, definitely send us your feedback if you watch it. And your next movie connections uh, at Ladder Movie on Twitter, themovieladder at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. All right. So Jeff starts us off. Uh, he says, seems like you already have your minds made up. We do not. It was just a we suggestion don't. that we do yeah. Goodfellas next week. We don't know if we're doing it. Uh, and uh, he says, Home Alone 2, but get the Canadian version where they edited out Donald Trump. I agree. Uh, I do Fair. think, like, Home Alone 2, I liked – I think I liked it better as a kid. I, I always liked, like – the, that movie, Back to the Future 2, like some of those sequels better. Yeah, I, I always liked the idea of traveling around and exploring New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one of the things, you know, it was like being – when I moved to New York for the first time, it really was sort of like Home Alone where I was there by myself. And I was just staring up at all the buildings going, wow, it's, it's so big and it's so massive. And this is so cool. I can't believe I'm in this place and this place and this place. And so, yeah, I mean, I get it. And I, I really like the setting of New York. We love our New York movies here too. Right. Um, I, you know, I, I think I still like Home Alone 1 more, but I appreciate the setting of Home Alone 2 more, if that makes sense. Yeah, it just sucks. All I can think about with Home yeah. Alone 2 is that fucking Donald Trump shows up <sighs> in a cameo. Just and the pigeon off. lady. 
Pigeon Lady. Yeah, well, she's not. She's fine. No, right? she's great. I mean, that's yeah. that's the, one of the first things I think of when I think of Rogue One Two. I was like, what? Is all what I mean. it, that's all I mean. Is, is like, Pigeon Lady super two... spread coronavirus as well? Uh, no. All right. So uh, the other ones that Jeff has, he says uh, these are ones we've already kind of discussed on this podcast. Yeah. One is uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, his other five star Christmas movie. Yeah. Five plus star. He says. And Die Hard says, yes, this is a Christmas movie. The writers acknowledged it. We agree on this podcast. We agree. Yes. All right. My brother Aaron wrote in and he said Saw. Uh, Now, do you know why he would suggest Saw? I do because of all the traps and torture. And yeah, there's a there's a theory that Kevin McAllister grows up to be the Saw killer. And I'm not a fan of the Songline theory, but I get it. I think it's like one of my favorite movie theories. It's hilarious to me. It's 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 quite amusing, but yeah, it's um, it makes sense. And I but I don't know that I want to continue the Christmas creep with Saw. <laughs> There's no Christmas in Saw, or you just mean the creep around the Christmas creep. time? The creep around Christmas time. All right, um, Molly sent in a couple movies from 1973: yes. Paper Moon, child actor Tatum yep. O'Neill in a starring role. So it's yeah, just a it, child actor in a starring role is the Yeah, and it's a it's sort of turned Tatum O'Neill into a giant child star like this movie did for Macaulay Culkin. Uh, it's also about a dysfunctional relationship between a child and her parents. Okay. Um so yeah, it, 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 it fits on a few different levels. Yeah. Yeah. Uh the next one that she has is After Hours. Catherine O'Hara yep. and John Hurt are both in this. I did not realize Catherine O'Hara was in it as well. I didn't um, either. Um I, I haven't seen this movie, but I've heard of it. Yeah. Um this is one of Ob's favorites. I think it's one of his top Scorsese movies. I think if we did After Hours, it'd be fun to have him back for it. Yeah, I think we'd have to have him off back. We'd have to figure it out. Yep. Uh, That's from 1985. And then Bad Santa, Billy Bob Thornton is a criminal on Christmas with a blonde kid. What a bad Santa. I haven't seen Bad Santa in a long time. And also, isn't the kid a redhead? But maybe I haven't seen Bad Santa in long enough. Maybe. Um, I think he's a ginger. But yeah. yeah. Um, Uh, All right. So Jim said the Pink Panther. It's a yep. classic with slapstick crime comedy. Yep. So, uh, yep. what does Owen have for us? Uh, Owen's got Die Hard again. Uh, one one instantly recalled this movie for me uh, when Kevin asked make Daniel Stern go barefoot through the window. Ah, That's yeah. a lot like uh, John McClane having to go barefoot. Um, and then he says other links set around Christmas and also involves air travel. That's a good point. That's good. Um, making inevitable usage also making inevitable usage of items commonly found around. Kevin with his toys and household items. John McClane with items such as lifts, fire hydrants, hoses, etc. Ah, yeah. Um, have a feeling we aren't going to deviate from Christmas themed movies, but these other two stood out to me as links, so I would nominate them anyway. Uh, Angels with Dirty Faces oh. obviously is. Did a, not know that was a real movie. Or like a you know the, angels like angels with filthy souls is the um is the movie alone one angels with dirty faces is a Jimmy Cagney um crime movie from 1937 the name is name inspired the the one used in this movie of angels with filthy souls uh, it stars James Cagney and is one of the earliest movies for Humphrey Bogart um we've also discussed the director Michael Curtiz in the past when we uh talked about um possibly doing Casablanca um. The Polka King is a 2017 movie I've never heard of that instantly came to his mind. Uh, Jim Carrey declaring himself the king of polka. Uh, Jack Black stars in a biopic of Pennsylvania polka sensation John Lewin. Uh, a rise to riches and more story. Oh, wow. Um, so I, that even, I mean, that even connects to Scranton as well. It does, yeah. Scranton. So I kind of remember this coming out, but I not. 
I definitely did not see it. I remember it being on, maybe it was on a film spotting list or something. Um, mm-hmm. But I definitely didn't see it. Uh, Mac just wrote in and recommended Straw Dogs. Um, I have not seen it. I'm not sure what the connection is. Yeah, I don't know what the connection is either. He didn't All say right, why. Well, thanks, Mac. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll find out the connection later. Um, or while you look that up, I will go on. Uh, yeah, I don't, know what the, I don't know what the connection is. Uh, okay. Uh, Kyle Curry wrote in and wrote Uncle Buck. Uncle Buck is the first movie with John Kerry and I'm sorry, John Candy, not John Kerry. <laughs> John Kerry. And, um, and Macaulay Culkin. Uh, this movie, Uncle Buck, actually is what um convinced John Hughes to get a vehicle starring Macaulay Culkin as the precocious young child. Mm-hmm. So that one, is really the. I think that is like yeah. the best. Like that's the like most classic connection. For me, sure, for sure. And it's also about a bunch of kids being left home alone. Just with their uncle instead of with no one. Um, it's uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles also is a uh, holiday travel horror story of yeah. a movie starring John Candy. Um, and that's it for listener connections. Um, yeah. I'm gonna well, go- I, I say we do straw dogs. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> do you want to go first or next? I'm going to go first. And so one thing we didn't talk about too much is – I mean, we did and we didn't. We talked about the proliferation of pizza in this movie mm-hmm. and how important pizza is, especially with the cheese pizza and the uh, pizza delivery driver. So the first movie I thought of was the Julia Roberts 1980s comedy Mystic Pizza. I thought you were going to do 30 minutes or less. No. Um, about a bunch of teenagers working in a pizza shop. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, the next movie I had is... It's a Wonderful Life because they're watching It's a Wonderful Life in France and also because it takes place on on and around Christmas. And it's about a main character learning a very valuable lesson about family. Uh, Next movie I have is Meet Me in St. Louis due to the use of um, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Um, That is that song originated, sung by Judy Garland in the movie Meet Me in St. Louis. And my Fourth one is going to be Only the Lonely, which is a 1991 movie where John Hughes, Chris Columbus, John Candy, and Macaulay Culkin all ran it back again to cash wow. on the profits of Home Alone and just make whatever movie they wanted. I know nothing about this movie except that all those people are involved. And they basically were trying to ride the wave of Home Alone to make a direct next movie that didn't have anything to do with this one um and then my honorable mention of course uh i thought about white christmas due to the uh thing singing big crosby singing ah, yeah. with like we're singing white christmas but i didn't put it on my list it's an also ran yeah but those are my um yeah what do you got uh, uh so i have fewer movies than you on than uh normal i usually i have like 10 connections so yeah. i only have a couple um i did have it's a wonderful life and planes trains and automobiles on my list uh, yeah. i'll keep those off because they've already been suggested um so i'm gonna go with four movies the first is uh from around the same time period as this movie and also starring kieran culkin and a very cool looking house that is father of the bride with steve martin from 1991 one of my favorites my second one that I will suggest uh, is Eight Crazy Nights um, because it's a holiday movie starring somebody who was on uh, SNL 
Although I'm saying that, and was John Candy ever actually on SNL? I guess he probably uh, was. No, he wasn't. He was never on SNL. Yeah, I guess that connection kind of falls apart. Um, but I've never seen Eight Crazy Nights, and we did a Christmas movie. Why not a Hanukkah movie? I've never yeah. seen Eight Crazy Nights. Me neither. Um, sure I don't know if it's really that great, but mm. we'll see. I guess I shouldn't say that in case we, we haven't done the animated movies yet. We have so. not done any animated movies yet. Um, my next is um, the scene on the ice with Macaulay Culkin running across reminds me a lot of The Good Son. So uh, that is Elijah Wood and Macaulay Culkin. Yes. And I love Elijah Wood. Uh, my okay. last one, I probably shouldn't have saved this one for last because there's no suspense here, but this is the one <laughs> that I talked about last week. That's Goodfellas. Goodfellas. So Joe Pesci in the early 90s. So, And if you want to connect that uh, Peter McAllister is in the mob, you could go to Goodfellas. Yeah. And I do think there's a Christmas scene in that movie as well. There is a Christmas scene in that movie. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll each pick two and we'll go back and forth. Um, yeah, let me I, read off what we have and yeah. then, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll each pick two, one from ourselves, one from the, uh, listeners. So yep. we have Home Alone 2, Christmas Vacation, Die Hard, Paper Moon, After so. Hours, Bad Santa, The Pink Panther, Die Hard Again, uh, Angels with Dirty Faces, The Polka King, Straw Dogs, Uncle Buck, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Mystic Pizza. It's a Wonderful Life, Meet Me in St. Louis, Only the Lonely, Father of the Bride, Eight Crazy Nights, The Good Son, and Goodfellas. And we met, we, we skipped over AJ's pick of Saw. Oh, Saw. Oops. Yeah, saw. and also Saw. Yeah. <laughs> that was not you didn't Saw Saw. No. Uh, I have Saw. I saw it in the past, though. You saw it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. All right. Um, so I get to go first, because I went last. Um, cool. So I will go my listener pick. This movie's been on my watch list for a very long time. Mm. Like, like at least a year since the Irishman came out and I heard Av on a podcast talking about Scorsese. So I'm going to go with After Hours as my pick. Uh, if it was just John Hurd, I wouldn't have done it. But that uh, Movie Ladder podcast favorite, Catherine Hara, is in it. Um, makes I me excited. And I've never seen it. That's a fair pick. Yeah. Um, here's, here's the thing. Here's where I'm torn. I want us to keep doing Christmas movies. But at the same time, we've seen all of these Christmas movies. Like we've, we've talked about all of these Christmas movies. We did just talk about Christmas movies a bunch. And We've talked about a bunch of these movies. I don't want to sort of just rehash our conversations by doing Die Hard or Christmas Vacation or Home Alone 2 or Bad Santa even. So as much as I love all those movies and I think everyone should go watch them, I think you should absolutely watch Home Alone 2, Christmas Vacation, Die Hard, and Bad Santa this Christmas. Just not with us. So at least, not, my, at least not next week. There's multiple not weeks. Ne- not next week. We could do, do it the week after, not, maybe. Yeah, not next week. But I will throw the listeners a holiday season bone, even though this isn't technically a Thanksgiving or Christmas movie. I think Uncle Buck is a really classic connection good, to this. Yeah, that's and a good I, Chicago winter And it's a really good well. Chicago movie. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I think Uncle Buck is a really fun movie, and I would um, – so I will throw – Uncle Buck and Kyle in there for my listener connection. Yeah, I will say, you know, and we'll see what we pick, but I don't know if we have any movie that is a stronger one-to-one connection mm-hmm. than uh, Uncle Buck would be to this movie. Absolutely, because um, there is no Home Alone if there's no Uncle Buck. And, it's, yeah, there's just so many connections between it. I mean, I think the closest maybe you could do is, like, Marnie to the girl, but it's a little bit of a right. different type of connection. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, just looking through our ladder. I mean, maybe shampoo to Once Upon a Time Hollywood, but yeah, nothing, right. nothing that strong, I don't think. Absolutely. So. Yeah. All right. Uh, so now we each have to pick one from the other person's list. I'm gonna do It's a Wonderful Life. I think that fantastic. Be, uh, it's a great movie. Be fun. And I am going to pick. I actually don't think. I mean, despite the Pesci connection, I don't think the connection to Goodfellas is strong enough. 
And if we're going to, again, if we're going to do a holiday movie. I mean, it's movie, the same year. That's a fair point. It's cashing in 1990. Yeah. I mean, I love Goodfellas, and I would love to talk with you about Goodfellas. It's probably not the only time we'll get to talk. I mean, I I'm, I would be fun. I'd be glad to do Goodfellas as well, but, you know, it's not the only time, probably. But I also think if we did another holiday movie, but it's not a Christmas movie, and it's a movie neither of us have seen, if we did Eight Crazy Nights, I think we could also have fun with that. So that's going to be my pick from your list. Oh, man. All right. Um, so give me The Sandman. So we got four movies, and I yes. think this is a tough choice. We have After Hours, okay. Uncle Buck, It's a Wonderful Life, and Eight Crazy Nights. Yep. I think we gotta. I think we gotta go to the streaming. What's streaming? Yeah. Um. All right. So do you want? Let's see. I'll look up After Hours and Uncle Buck. You look up It's a Wonderful Life and Eight Crazy Nights. And okay. let's see. I mean, I would be really happy with any of these movies. Um. Too. After Hours is on HBO Go. And. Um, on all of the HBO versions, HBO nice. Max, HBO everything. Uh, Uncle Buck is on uh, HBO Go as well. Eight Crazy Nights looks to be on Amazon Prime and iTunes if you have Apple TV. Um, yeah. Let's see what. It's a Wonderful Life. I have that one up already. Yeah. Uh, and that Probably is streaming on Amazon yeah. Prime. So all of these movies yeah. are streamable. So. Yeah. That doesn't help us decide. Um, it doesn't. Um, so I think It's a Wonderful Life, while it's a good suggestion and would be great to talk about, I would I want to watch it this holiday season. Same. I think uh, it's probably fine to save that one. We'll either get to it or people will see it on their own. I would remove that one. Well, and I mean, yeah, I mean, it's another one where I'm going to say, guys, it's beautiful. See it. Jimmy Stewart gives a great performance. Um, you know, it's... It's a classic for a reason. Yeah. Um, uh, so Eight Crazy Nights is not streaming on Amazon Prime. It is on Showtime. Uh, oh, yeah, Showtime. Showtime. You can, yeah. no. Okay. So you can get it on Amazon Rental, but it is not streaming for free on Amazon. Oh, okay. I thought it was. Okay. So I would say let's remove that one. Okay. Take it off then. All right. So now we're down to After Hours or Uncle Buck. So then we come to it. Which two, which two characters, which two actors do we want to follow into our next movie? Do we want to follow... Catherine O'Hara and John Hurd, or do we want to follow John Candy and Macaulay Culkin? And the other question, too, here is, do we want to watch one that neither of us have seen or one that both of us have seen? I kind of think we go with one that neither of us have seen. I think we kind of need to go with it and also see if Av is available to talk about after hours. Right. I mean, yeah. Um, it, um, don't don't mess with me now, because if you do, yeah. you'll spoil the episode for him, though. No, no, no. I'm, I'm seeing. Oh, I, I just heard you typing. I was like, don't, no, no, don't no, message no, no. you. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. Right. Uh, um, do, 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 do. Takes place in New York. It's about all I do. Okay. I mean, I wish we had a. I wish we had a way to do the double feature because this could be our double feature next week, but there's it really doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't really work as a double feature. Um, but yeah, I, I think most should... of our listeners also haven't seen After Hours. I would as well. Assume. I would assume. I've, yeah, I've seen it. Uh, Max seen it. Uh, Molly seen it and didn't give it a very good rating, even though she suggested it. So maybe she wants to revisit it. Um, but yeah, that looks like it for listeners of ours who have seen it. Yeah. Uh, it um, all takes place I mean, in one night. So I do think that there are uh, potential Christmas music we could come back to from this as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. All right. I think that's what we're doing. I think we're doing After Hours. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. So all right. next week's movie is After Hours. The connection is that the two parents... Catherine O'Hara and John Hurd are both in After Hours. It is directed by Martin Scorsese from 1985, the year I was born, and it is available on HBO Go and all HBO platforms. 
or for rental as well. So uh, watch After Hours. Let us know what you think. It's short. It's 97 minutes, too. So you can squeeze out. Oh, that'll be a quick watch. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, And if you want to watch Uncle Buck as well, do it. Why not? Um, Yeah. I highly recommend Uncle Buck. Yeah. I highly recommend a lot of the movies that we had on this, except Straw Dogs. I don't know. what. Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) All right. Next week's movie, After Hours. Yep. So get that in. Get your feedback in to the movie ladder gmail.com at ladder movie on Twitter. Follow us on Letterboxd at ladder movie. Exciting. As well. You can go to the watch list there to see all the movies that we've talked about on this podcast. And uh, Brennan, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and now on Letterboxd at Fidzy Brennan. I hey. was because I got my Letterboxd Pro, I was able to change my screen name to match my Twitter name. So follow me on both at Fidzy Brennan. Nice. Look at me uh, yeah. doing stuff. I'm at Brooks ZA. Uh, Aaron and I wrapped up our coverage of Fargo season four. Last yes. night, we recorded our final digesting Fargo. To be determined what we are digesting next, Succession looks like a likely pick, but that's probably not going to be until next summer. So uh, maybe we'll pick another TV show in the meantime. We just got to figure out what that is. So check that out, digesting Fargo, if you're watching Fargo season four. And uh, check out this podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed uh, our Home Alone podcast. I'm sure this is the longest episode. We're over two hours. It's close. Now. It's, yeah. it's going to be rivaling our uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood pick. And we haven't even gotten to uh, – we didn't even do our what we've been watching or what no. we're watching next. Which is good because I haven't watched anything. <laughs> uh, what, yeah, what are you going to watch next? What are you watching this week? So I'm really excited. I know this is one that's been on your radar, my radar, our buddy Max radar. Mank comes out this weekend Mank. Yes. on Dropping on Netflix, the newest from David Fincher. I'm very excited for it. I wish there was a way to connect Mank to Home Alone. I looked, couldn't do it, thought about making up a reason. Is there a way to connect Mank to After Hours, though? Let's find out. But uh, I'm very excited to watch Mank. Um, yeah, it connects to Citizen Kane, obviously, in our discussion about, about the Citizen writer Kane. Citizen, yep. uh, the writer of Citizen Kane, the production of Citizen Kane. Um, that's, that's the biggest thing I'm going to be watching this week. And also... Um, you know, I did watch the Fargo season finale last night. Excited to listen to your podcast. So yeah. there we go. Uh, yeah, now that I've wrapped up Fargo, I am on the finale of uh, of Lovecraft Country. So I'm going to start another show. I might start The Boys next. I've been nice. wanting to watch that. Um, and I really need to watch some movies because I'm glad we didn't do what we've been watching because I did not watch a single movie this week except Spider-Man 3. And that is not good enough to talk about what I've been watching. Yeah, it's so not. This it's week, I hope I'm watch, I watch some more movies. There were just too many good sports last week. <laughs> so Speaking of sports, I have a uh, sports game I want to watch in four minutes. So we need to wrap oh, this man, podcast up. Yeah, so hopefully I'm happy. Uh, all right, well, we will see you guys next week for After Hours. Send in that feedback and let us know what you think of it. And we'll see you next week. Go green. Go green.